Face front, true believers. This is Modular Media's No Price Podcast, where we talk Marvel movies, comics, merchandise, and more. I am your host, Chris Boinger Ryder Gasson, and with me, as always, in this immaculate podcast is my co-host. Representing the distinguished competition, the Vacuminator. And special limited variant cover with holographics and glow in the dark and, and that Mr. weird T green trading card. Trading card with the weird green from that one uh mid-90s event in DC with the, 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 the uh, with the devil making deals with people. <laughs> don't even know about that. What the it, fuck? I don't it, it, the bad guy was a guy called Neuron. <laughs> we have a special guest. Say your name. Uh Buster Corp. I think I represent the indie side of comics. Sure, we'll go with that. Yeah. You missed- you and Bust and Buster represents the imaginative competition. Yes, the imaginative, the, the IDWs, the images, all those guys, all those eyes. You don't know the, you don't know the uh, reference. No. Back in the day, when Marvel and DC talked about each other, they didn't like the reference uh, the other company by name. Uh-huh. So when Marvel talked about DC, they went the distinguished competition. And when Mar, uh, when DC talked about Marvel, they were called the marvelous competition. Very interesting. So I was going imaginative for image. Ah, yeah. Kind of like a, a cutesy way of uh, honor and respect. I like that. Old school, like, Marvel DC respect is some choice tier shit. It's great. Meanwhile, I've been here for ten episodes, and I just thought it was a pun on Distinguished. <laughs> I thought I told you, like, the first episode. No, you never told me, you motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> this is amazing. All right. But on that groundbreaking bombshell... We have some other grounds to break. Cause watch out, boys! A woman wants to be a superhero. Whoa! Bad, bad. I had to make a joke. I had to make a joke. That's going to be this whole section. Is both of you ragging on it? Because I know you're actually. That's not the reason I'm going to rag on it. It was all right. I thought it was pretty good. Black Widow came out this week. Finally. I saw it in theaters because I'm vaccinated. And we stole it. Yeah. yeah uh, I'm being hailed. Never <laughs> hold on. Oh my god. That Are you alright? Yeah, people yelling. Mm. I didn't hear a thing. I find it's best to just assume people can't hear the yelling and carry on like nothing's happening. No, I actually had to respond. Oh. Why are we watching Batman and Robin? The good movies. Yes. <laughs> also, I just want to screw this up whenever Boingo does truncate silence to this. So I'm a dick. Uh, who edits this, by the way? Is Boingo or you? Yeah, this is Boingo's show. That's why he is the main host. Yeah, so he edits it. This is his yeah. problem now. Yeah, if, if this is on the actual episode, I want everybody to type that Boingo's a stupid for not cutting this out into the comments. This could be like the end like a post credit stick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you listened all the way... At, oh, hey, he's back. Still pissed at us. There we go. Hi, uh-huh. we were totally on our best behavior while you were gone. Well, I'll find that out when I fucking edit this shit. <laughs> yes, you will. <laughs> <laughs> but we're talking about Black Widow, the movie. The game, that the movie, the novelization, the movie. That should have come out the five years book. ago. Yeah, well, you can blame Ike Perlmutter for that. 
Girl mother. Honestly, I uh, having watched this now, aside from the end credit scene, I wouldn't have minded if this had come out between Civil War and Infinity War. Honestly, it, it really, really should have. It, 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 it feels like it's meant to just like slide in. So if you want to watch it that way, you can. Mm-hmm. Kind of like how uh, the first Avenger can kind of be watched before anything else. Yeah. Um, but a little. I think we should go into a little backstory because that's a big overarching thing I've been seeing within internet criticism of the movie. Is it's a good movie, but it should have came out earlier. Yeah, like, if you don't have an intimate understanding of the MCU, this is going to be very confusing. But the the big thing is, again, it's Ike Perlmutter, which, for those who don't know, Ike Perlmutter was the, C- like, was the person in control of Marvel mm-hmm. when the MCU started. And he is... I'm trying to be as nice as possible. A douchebag. Just don't be nice. Why, why should we give him niceness? Okay, let's put it this way. He's on, like, a, see, like, okay, he was friends with Donald Trump. Okay. <laughs> one, the, one of the most significant pictures, because he's a very secretive person, the most significant picture we've ever had of the man is standing next to Donald Trump. Oh, my God. That's a look. Yep. Uh, he is one who has said basically the equivalent of uh, nobody would want to watch a black superhero. Nobody would want to watch a woman superhero um basically it's basi- anti-diversity anti-diversity it basically uh and basing it on like bad math and that kind of stuff to excuse so typical it. old racist white man is what you're telling me very true uh but also he mucked with the comics fucking hard because he was control of marvel in a general sense um tr- let's put okay you know how there was the inhumans tv show they tried to make a thing uh-huh well, that's because everybody understands that Fox had the X-Men, so they were trying to make their own X-Men. Mm-hmm. Oh, was... God, was he in charge of the don't use Fox characters a whole bunch initiative? Yep. Oh, okay. I had no idea who was actually responsible for that, so now I have, I have somebody I can blame. Thank you. Yep. Uh, Kind of, and that's been the major, like, black spot in recent Marvel. Um, Thank you, Donnie Case, for killing them off. <laughs> Um, but ultimately he's been gone for a little bit, uh, but they were already in production for a number, number of things. And Scarlett Johansson was also locked into a contract that had no solo feature films, only guest appearances and other films. Okay. So they basically had to wait to, they basically had to run that out and make a brand new contract to do this movie. And this is going to be like her last movie, isn't it? Yeah. This is her Logan. Hmm. Um, so that kind of gives a little bit of context of like, yeah, it's late, but there's a good number of red lights making it late. Fair. Uh, still not, I thought it was average. It's definitely average in an MCU sense, but I felt like it was a solid movie all around. I tell you what, though, my biggest thing with this movie, first and foremost, about three minutes in, I marked out like a motherfucker because, uh, the, uh, I don't know if they ever say their last... I don't think they have a united last name, but the uh, the undercover family that Black Widow is a part of in the opening, they're, uh, they're corn dish. My family owns that piece of crockery. <laughs> that is period accurate. Yeah. I think which, my uh, family has something similar. Which then made me, like, really mad when later the prop... When later in that same scene, the prop department screws up and 
there's a My Little Pony toy that didn't come out until 2013. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> um, but no, uh, since we're in this scene, what do you think about this, like, early years kind of with Red Guardian and uh, kind of family setting? I thought it was cute. It disoriented me a good bit just because I... I'm surprised there is so much of this movie that I didn't know about going in, despite like countless ads and all the delays. You'd think the whole thing would have leaked out and I'd have known it all already. But like, I didn't even know the mom was going to be in the movie. So when she's there in the prologue, I'm like, oh, she's going to die in this prologue. That's going to be some tragic backstory shit. And then she's there for the whole fucking movie and actually survives. And I'm like, all right. What are we doing with them next? What? Yeah. Uh, what do you think of the intro, Buster? Uh, it was an intro. Uh, it was fine. I, it it kind of went on a tad long. It kind of felt like they were trying to make this a like, grand. I mean, uh, it kind of went on a tad long, but it was enjoyable. Definitely one of the better parts of the movie. Uh, very intense. Um, the montage they play right after it. Uh, that was a bit like. Oh, that was interesting. I was like, okay, they went a bit dark, like darker than I expected them to do a quote unquote uh, Black Widow movie. I mean, I mean, to be fair, Black Widow is like espionage, so I kind of expect that. But and they also have to like remind you of how the Red Room works because I think the last time we really talked about in the Red Room in the MCU was Age of Ultron. Yeah. Yeah. So, like. Yeah, I I felt that the intro was a good way of like showcasing the true trauma of the red room which was the, the basically giant gaslighting the whole thing is yeah just here's a normal life dehumanizing these little girls yep and just the uh complacency of like a red guardian and the mom mm-hmm. yeah and like i like how the movie once we catch up to the two of them like spends a lot of time really exploring the fact that like at the time they didn't care but now that they're old and like they see these two girls grown up, they're like, oh shit, we really fucked up and we actually really care about these two and each other. Fuck. Yeah. We ruined our whole lives. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, like I but, feel like uh, can we can we segue over and speaking about the parents? Yeah, I, let's I, bounce around let's bounce around a little bit. Because yeah. the Red Guardian was definitely one of my favorite characters in this movie. You know, he's played by like uh, forgive me if he do- if he's done a lot more but the guy from stranger things the cop that's what like, i knew him from too and like from the trailers i was most excited about him yeah there was uh, one other thing he was in he, he, was, he was in the, the hellboy reboot oh yeah he was in he was in the hellboy movie we don't talk about there's only two Why hellboy movies talk about there's it? Two hellboy movies two of them are animated oh yeah <laughs> Hellboy legit is one of my favorite movies of all time. Which it's one? It's pretty good. Hellboy. Both one and two. Like, uh, I love those movies to death. He, feel, he feels about Hellboy the same way I feel about Terminator. The first two movies are amazing. Everything else is not canon. Yep. The animated stuff is canon. I, I love the animated stuff because, goddamn, uh, the Japanese movie is fucking banger. And so is the vampire one. It's just good shit. Yeah, DC uh, goes out one day. But no, Red Guardian's cool. I love... I love the whole his whole wistful longing for the Cold War. Yeah, and he's telling war he's telling fake war stories about fighting Captain America in prison. Like it's it's tragically sad. Like 
it'd be worse if it was like to a better person. Yeah. Yeah. The one the one thing I I was kind of annoyed with the movie about in like a larger sense is I feel like we're missing a subplot with him cuz both his figures come with shields that don't appear in this movie and then at one point in the movie he gets Taskmaster's shield for a minute and I'm like Shouldn't there have been, like, I feel, I don't know for sure, but, like, I feel like there should have been a subplot of him going, yeah, I loved being the Red Guardian, but I never got a shield, and Captain America had that cool shield. I want a shield. And then he gets Taskmaster's shield, and he's like, fuck yeah, I got a shield. That should have been a thing, I feel like. That could yeah. have been. Uh, I definitely like his pedantry about being the Red Guardian, because uh, White Widow, I can't remember her actual name. Uh, Yelena? Yelena. Basically called him Crimson Dynamo, which got a pop out of me. Yeah. Fuck yeah, Crimson Dynamos. And he was like, I, I'm actually, I was the Red Guardian. She's like, God damn, shut up. Yeah. He, lo- he loves the fact that he was the Red Guardian so much, and his daughters could not give less of a shit. It's like, it's like a comic book writer trying to explain to his kids, no, I write the things Batman does. Yeah, and- yeah but you're not Batman. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, he was great. Uh, he had some really good comedic moments. Also, some like nice heart. I feel like I felt like he kind of pulled the like even when some of the cast are lacking. Because I'm gonna be honest, I still do not care for Black Widow. I really thought this movie might change my mind even a slight, but I just like okay, she's a protagonist. Okay, I think that's the biggest problem with Black Widow. Is honestly, Black Widow always works better as a co-star and not the star. Mm-hmm. She works. As a as a contrast to the other Avengers, because the whole thing is all the Avengers are heroes, but she was a spy and an assassin, and she's constantly trying to escape that past and redeem herself. And a large part of this movie is about that, but the whole rest of the cast is characters that are also like that, or characters that are trying to stop her from doing that. So that contrast element isn't there, and as a result, she kind of blends in when all these new characters are right there. Um, although I will say I did like a few moments here and there with her. Like the, some of the downtime in the opening when she's in that camper, I thought was interesting getting to see like she's she's trying to run from the military, but she we never get an explanation, which I thought was weird, or just now I'm thinking is weird because it just came to me. We never get an explanation for why she's not with Stephen Sane. Because she was running with them, she was implied to have been running with them the whole time in Infinity War, and uh, here it's just, she's on her own, and then she, at the end, says she's going to go break everybody out of prison like we saw at the end of Civil War. I think it's fine when you recognize that this movie really only takes place within the span of, like, a week. Yeah. It's only a week where she's off doing this little mini-adventure, and then she teams back up with the Avengers. Yeah, this mini adventure of taking down an entire spy organization and reuniting with her family. I mean, hey, Cap can do it in one movie. It's true. It's true. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, this is a very big parallel to Winter Soldier. I can kind of see that, but I, it's been a while since I've seen Winter Soldier, so. I well, I mean, uh, a sibling like figure comes back into her life uh, after being uh, awakened from brainwashing. As she uh, teams up with veterans to take down a corrupt spy organization. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I, I can kind of see that. Yeah, I, I was just more referring to quality. I'm not sure if it holds up because I know Winter Soldier is uh, always considered one of the best Marvels. Yeah, and that's a that's a thing. I was uh, I'm glad you kind of explained it that way because that was my big problem with the movie in a general sense. Is we're told constantly how evil the bad guy is, and he's shown to be like an utter utter evil bastard. But it seems like all he wants to do is control the widows. They never like come out right and say like, "Oh yeah," and the widows are all spies for Russia. Like that's that's obvious if you've seen the greater MCU. But I can imagine somebody going into this blind and being like, "Wait, why are the widows a bad thing? What are they doing? Huh? What?" Like I guess yeah. like what I understood before you said that, I just like, "Oh, he wants to do them for like killing people," but like. Uh, I'm not sure if it was like some like because I'm not sure if it was some like weird like mandate that they didn't want to reference like Russia that much. I've been, but but don't want to piss off Putin. Want to be able to sell the film in Russia itself? Yeah, yeah. We'll see. I mean, I'm I mean, s- it's still probably going to get flack from the the government there. Mm-hmm. Um. But like no, the guy the guy at the end was explaining like I have all these black widows. I've been controlling the world from the shadows. Uh, with you at and with if I control you, I can come out of the shadows and just basically be evil Nick Fury. Yeah. So that was his plan. But also speaking of the villain, like like can I just say like maybe this is like because this movie's kind of like his one of his plot devices is like these weird pheromones that just like. Nobody could attack him. What that was? I'm sorry. Like I know this is like like it's a comic book movie, so I should expect some silliness. That was a bit much. <laughs> I don't know I mean, why. That's, that's a common thing in Marvel. That's a that's a very common thing in Marvel comics. A pheromone I, thing? Yes. I've never yes. heard of it before. Uh, Kilgrave from Jessica Jones. That's a thing. That's how his powers work. Star Fox, uh, brother of Thanos. That's how his powers works. I guess the way they explained it was a bit more sillier than I like it, initially thought. Because I've seen yeah. a, a good chunk of Jessica Jones, and it felt like more like uh, quote unquote grounded here. I just felt like maybe they could have explained it in a, like a better way than just it's Pharaoh's pitch. <laughs> and I should also explain like the reason it kind of surprised me, and I felt like I hadn't seen before. It's synthetic pheromones he has. Natural superpower pheromones are like a different f- classification in my head. I'm just saying, like pheromones affecting people hyper specifically is a thing that Marvel Comics does like to use, and it may have been used in, in actual stories involving the Red Room. Um, real quick, since we're talking about the director, uh, did anybody notice the uh, the uh, the very 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 heavy Harvey Weinstein vibes from the dude? Uh, well, I, I've just noticed general. Yeah, I just I just got general creepy rapist man. Yeah, that you mean Harvey Weinstein? Sure. Yeah, I've not looked a lot into the Weinstein case just because I don't want to I don't want to ruin a lot of media for myself. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, But like, no, I just got those vibes. And yeah, that kind of thing. and actually, like, like I was like, I remember, like, I was like looking up some like show times to go to the movie, and I was like, I just quickly saw an article saying like Black Widow's a Me Too movie, and I was like, okay, eh, sure, maybe if the way you see it, I didn't really give it much thought. And now, like, when I was watching that scene in the theater, I was like, that article was in the back of my head saying, oh, they weren't kidding. I'm just picturing you with like 2001: A Space Odyssey tripped out face, and the article superimposed. <laughs> Like, uh, like it was like, yeah. I'm not sure how they handled that subject matter because that's a very sensitive subject matter. 
And I'm mm-hmm. not sure. I think I need I mean, to like see more people who are more experienced with that stuff, just see how they feel. I mean, technically, none of us are qualified to speak on that since none of us are cisgendered women who have worked in Hollywood. Fair. I do think, like, they abstracted it enough about body autonomy, Mm -hmm. more so than about sexual assault, that it kind of was like, it's like X-Men and minorities. It's there, but it's not there. Yeah. And can I be honest, like, that scene with the pig when they're trying to explain how it all works... That was, I feel like that was supposed to freak me out, but because it came at the end of a goofy dinner scene, I thought it was, it came off as more funny to me and like awkward funny. Yeah, like some dark comedy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's also, I think it was meant to misdirect you on her motivations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Especially with like the whole fake turn. Yeah. Yeah, I do you know, like, I like that whole that reveal. I like that reveal a lot. Yeah, especially because it's a really clever way to get Scarlett Johansson into a comic accurate costume for the final scene. But also, like, uh, it it was also just neat to kind of show how smart the whole like part of the family was, and just kind of how like big doofy dad Red Guardian is. Yeah, because I like how he was so genuine in those moments uh, when like the plan was happening. He was like. All right, cool. I don't know what's going on, but I want to make sure you all know I love you. I'm sorry for all the shit I've done, and I care about you. Honey, they can't hear you. What? Actually, we haven't talked about the sister uh, yet. So you wanted to see New Black Widow in future movies? Or Disney Plus shows, if the post-credit scene is anything to go by? Oh, that's... They can do a lot with this character going forward, but in this movie, she is aggressively okay. Yeah. Uh, she, I thought she was good, funny. Yeah, she's she was an okay foil. I felt I didn't like, like I didn't like the poser the poser joke. I felt like it was too much of a forced running gag. I can kind of see that. Honestly, like the only running gag I really like hated was like I don't know, like it kind of felt like that kind of like that criticism of all oh, if every Marvel scene has to be ended with some joke where it's like like Red Guardian was kind of like he was giving this whole emotional spiel and then. Boom, the door's open, and it's like, ha-ha, you stupid. And I didn't like that scene. I, was, I didn't find that. Like, I just felt like, ah, eh, come on. I literally called that that was going to happen a split second before it happened. I, I called Honestly, it as soon as he started, and I was like, oh, God, here we go. See, here's the thing. I don't think making Red Guardian kind of a goofball is a bad thing, because realistically, that's how he's kind of portrayed in the comics, is, like, any Captain America derivative is kind of meant to be... Uh, a, a a mirror of a, a dirty mirror to Steve. Okay, okay, I'm feeling a bit better. Explain about that. Captain Britain then. Oh yeah, Ellen fucking more. Ah, yeah, that's right. That's all I have to fucking say <laughs> about that. Uh, whenever you have a question about why is Captain Britain weird, Alan Moore, and then Chris Claremont was like, yeah, that. <laughs> Uh, by the uh, way, Al Moore, uh, because I know you listen to this podcast, thank you for indirectly giving me uh, uh, 2020 Betsy Braddock. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Saturnine in X of Swords was probably somewhat an allegory for Alan Moore. Yeah, there, I, you can see some things like that, but no. I like the sister. I like the vest gag throughout yeah, it. Yeah, because- I actually did really like that. Yeah, that, that was cute. That made in that made her outfit in Infinity War make so much more sense because I hated that outfit back when Infinity War came out. 
And now I'm like, oh, that's she wearing her sister's vest. Yeah. But also like the the symbolism of it's like her first choice mm-hmm. outside of mind control. It's like she put weight into that vest. It's like, no, this is my vest. I chose this. And she's also going, look at how many pockets it she it has. And that's like a thing I've heard real women say about articles of clothing. It has so many pockets. I love it. Yeah. Also, I genuinely do like the dialogue between her and uh, Natasha because it felt genuinely sisterly. Mm. Yeah, it genuinely felt like um, like like a good relationship. I honestly that little like those little bits made me like okay, you know, I can get vibe of this Black Widow, like both mm. the new sister and ScarJo. I do also feel like uh, the the actress played the scene. Where she, at, at her bit of the dinner scene where she breaks down and she's like, you all see our our past as a joke, but to me that was the one part of my life that was real. And you you keep talking about it's fake and that's fucking bullshit. Fuck all of you. I thought that scene was played really well. Yeah, that, that yeah, that was great. Uh, the one with the, like the helicopter. I've seen people memeing the scene with like the little helicopter, like it's been fun, like kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not. Um, it was fine. Like it wasn't that bad. Um, like it was clearly it was probably the the quote unquote cheapest part of the movie until it gets to like the big skydiving where it's it's kind of a big whiplash. It's like it goes from this pretty cheap green screen to oh cool CG. Ooh, look at all the falling. Yeah, that was that that scene was crazy. I feel like there's some people who are gonna be like, that's the moment where the movie jumps the shark, and I'm like, it's it's the a little much, but it's not that far. The movie jumped the shark as soon as like 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 Natasha went into the stick of the p- creepy guy. Oh god, can I talk about Taskmaster? Yeah, we've been, we we've, been, we've, Taskmaster. been we've been tiptoeing around Taskmaster, and I feel like we need to take the lid off of this. And I'm just gonna come right out and say I love the costume design. Fuck Same. you, fanboys! It's a great costume. He looks like a fucking common writer, and it's awesome. Yay! Uh, the costume works looks really good in motion. It mm-hmm. really does. Uh, okay. Uh, I love a suit. Everything yeah. else. <laughs> oh boy, I'm gonna go off. Uh-huh. Okay. I think it's it's the same thing as Mandarin and Iron Man Free for me, where I'm like, yes, it shits all over a comic book character, but also I don't have much pre-existing attachment to that character, and I feel like it works okay for this story. I don't. I think I don't have like. Okay, to be fair, I have a semi-attachment to Taskmaster because I've seen him in things. Like, and I, you know, he's a, I, I, from his, like, premise, I think he's a, one of the coolest Marvel villains, like, because he mimics other heroes' abilities that can make for some great fights. Problem is, his fights are only, at most, okay, and at worst, lackluster. Like, I thought they were gonna go ham on the Red Guardian fight. The best scene with him, the best Taskmaster fight scene is when he gets the jump on Natasha. Yeah, it's. I thought the Red Guardian fight would be the good one, but like, oh, it was. It was. It was kind of the worst fight in the movie. It's not a bad fight. It's just very underwhelming, especially with the premise and the black. Like he's using like Black Panther claws, Captain America shield. He really should have done more. Uh, or big, big problem with that he... is a uh, big problem with that is a limitation of film because in comics you can just recreate the poses from other fight scenes and you can you can go like oh no you can fill in the blanks but with movies the stunt person has to actually do the stunt yeah yes but, but then like... there's like shit from the toys that he doesn't even pull out like he has ronin's sword and hawkeye's bow i don't remember seeing those come into play i oh, know the bow he, was there he did the bow he did the bow oh okay 
The sword, I, I was not... like, I was waiting for the sword to come in. I was just, where's the sword? Uh, the sword was at the end. Oh, yeah. But, like, barely did anything. Oh, yeah. Okay. I had to yep. really think about that for a second. So here's the thing. Uh, I, Taskmaster's one of my favorite, like, B-level villains in Marvel Comics. Uh-huh. Because here's the thing. Every version of Taskmaster that's been uh, adapted does 90 to 80% of, like, what Taskmaster is in the comics. The other 20% is the best part. He's a mercenary who runs a fucking um, uh, mook school. All, all the henchmen, they get trained by Taskmaster. That's, that's, that's a nice world-building deal. Like, so Hydra henchmen, AIM henchmen, Orcus henchmen, like, any henching... That's the henching school. They get accredited by Taskmaster. Okay. Oh. And here's another thing about uh, comics Taskmaster. He was a rich, yuppie kid who recognized he had a power, uh, the, the photokinetic power, and decided to become a mercenary. No tragic backstory, as far as I'm aware. He's just like, yeah, cool. Uh, I'll do that. So he's just evil green arrow. Yeah. That's why sometimes he actually works for the good guys because Tony Stark goes like, I'll pay you more. Just leave. All right, cool. Send me a check. Yeah, hmm. honestly, again, I, I think the, the concept and like the everything around Taskmaster, I, I feel like he should be a reoccurring character in these Marvel movies. Uh, that's not what they do, and I kind of hate what the story I mean, behind he it. still might be considering the ending. Because it's actually revealed that Taskmaster is one of the members of the Red Room. Not any member, but the daughter of the the dude controlling it all. Kind of giving uh, uh, the last little bit of closure for Black Widow for what she's done in her, with the red in her ledger of giving her like, okay, it's not a clean slate. You still fucked up. You still did bad things. But like this one thing, it's not as bad as you thought. I guess. It also explains her backstory with Hawkeye indirectly. Like, we don't get flashbacks with Jeremy Renner, but the, but the whole movie has, like, this side plot of, here's what happened in Budapest. In, in Budapest. Everybody who's been complaining on Tumblr since 2012. Budapest. If I love, people I are love still on joke. Tumblr. <laughs> <laughs> that was a fun joke. Uh, but here's the thing. Realistically, Taskmaster is still alive at the end of the movie. Uh, I kind of just hope they just keep the character... Oh, Keep the woman, keep all that, and just turn her into the Merc. Could like, work, but yeah, that yeah. kind of like they all go like, "Oh, it's your choice. You live the way you want to live." All right, I want to live like an asshole. No, you weren't supposed to do that. No, fuck it. I'm an asshole now. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I hope that's the case because, uh, like this, like I, I mean, I don't, I, I'm honestly not even sure. Maybe she'll show up again in the Hawkeye Disney Plus show. I don't know. I'm, I'm really hoping. But uh, the the post credit scene kind of says to the contrary. I'm kind of yeah. hoping all the widows and Red Guardian just got scooped up by Sword. Just you work for us now, because we're the new Shield. I guess I, I just I, I just feel like there's like this great potential for Taskmaster, and they kind of just like said, nope, let's just do something completely. different. I mean, it wasn't bad. It was just disappointing. If it wasn't Taskmaster. It zigged where you were expecting a zag. No, I, w I was already, like, expecting kind of, like, uh, he kind of could have done more. And even what when I was expecting the good parts, it kind of zagged when I just... I don't know. I just... I, don't, I still feel like you kind of, like, as an adaptation, you still have, like, a kind of... Com you still have, like, a quote-unquote, like, non-written commitment to the source material. 
just... you're allowed an artistic license, but you also need to still resemble the thing you're adapting. Yeah, and they again they resembled it visually. I like the suit, and like they they have some of the powers, but. <sighs> Also, I'm watching the first Taskmaster fight scene again right now, and literally he does use the sword in that scene, so I don't know what the fuck I was talking about earlier. Yeah, yeah. I'm a memory. It's been a couple days since I've seen it. Mm-hmm. But honest, I'm, I'm disappointed in Taskmaster as it is right now, but I do think they set it up where they can do more a more comic-accurate Taskmaster. Does it because... say Taskmaster in the film? Do what? Yeah. Did... Okay, they oh, called yeah. the, they called them a Taskmaster protocol. Oh, okay. Because I, I, I think there's, I thought... one, there's one scene where Yelena f- refers to them as the Taskmaster. Okay. Okay. Because for a second I thought they could like easily like scoop it to the side, saying, "Oh, that's just a different Taskmaster. This is the Taskmaster." But like, no, no, they can't. Or if we want to be comic purist accurate, what if she gives up the tech? becomes a person in the chair because fuck fighting anymore. She's had enough of that in her life. And she finds a dude named Anthony in America who goes like, oh, fuck, be a mercenary? Hell yeah, I'll do that. Give me that suit. I'm Taskmaster now. That could very easily happen, yeah. Yeah. But that's a lot of speculating on future stuff. Um, Is there anything about the actual movie that we haven't already covered? Post credit scene? Yeah, let's just rip off the Band-Aid. Uh, so, Seinfeld Lady is back, and mm-hmm. apparently Yelena is working for her, and is probably going to be in Seinfeld the Hawkeye. Seinfeld Lady? I didn't, I don't know, I forgot who she was. Contessa, okay. she's um, a regular, like, major spy character within Marvel. Um, oh, okay. For a second, like, I thought like, initially she was from Loki or something. No, she no, hasn't she's from uh, Captain, she's from Falcon, Falcon and Winter, Winter Soldier. Soldier. She, oh, okay. At the end of that show, she recruits um, John US Walker agent. to become U.S. agent. Okay, I'm still that. That's still on my queue. I'll get to it after Saber. Um, it's yeah. pretty good. Yeah, it's a good show. Um, this is definitely setting up a Dark Avengers. Yeah, I thought it was setting up like Hawkeye's Disney Plus show because I'm pretty sure like the entire oh, probably like, both. It's doing <laughs> both. But here's the thing: she's recruited U.S. agent. She's not recruited White Widow, which. Here's the thing. She's going to be Black Widow. She's wearing a white costume. That's why I'm calling her a White Widow. And it's a nice day for a White, white Widow. widow. <laughs> God damn! Did we just did, did we just alienate the Zoomer? Ten times yes. more. <laughs> I'm just like, well, okay, well, I get this. To be fair, I did I did that because there's a toy reviewer I watch who's like 30 years older than me and has been doing that joke. I mean, dude, Billy Idol's fucking choice. His singles are good. Yeah. Um, no, it's Dark Avengers because they're also setting up a new Avengers, and that's probably going to be the first major Avengers movie to oh, happen. Yeah, yeah, no, we're getting we're getting a uh, Young Avengers and Dark Avengers in the same movie. I feel like, yeah, Actually, I, 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 that sounds like an exciting movie. Uh, like so, so here's what I like from what you just said. Okay, here's what I'm going to assume. So they're going to have like like the the White Widow chasing Hawkeye throughout the Disney Plus show. They kind of like. The Hawkeye stops them, but the White Widow survives, so they can go do the Dark Avengers story in the Young Avengers movie there. And also remember, uh, Kate Bishop Hawkeye's in that series, too. So Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm hyped for that show, because I love the run it's based on. I love Kate Bishop, and uh, Haley Steinfeld is one of the best young actors in Hollywood right now, in my opinion. So it's like, oh, you're just giving me more reason to be excited for that show. Thank you. I was initially like hesitant because I'm like Hawkeye. I kind of hated what they did with him in Endgame, 
uh, for like uh, it's kind of like a complicated reason. But uh, you know, now now with like, oh, you're doing Kate Bishop, color me interested. <laughs> well, the comic they're basing that off of it was basically made out of uh, oh, everybody hates what we did with Hawkeye in the last couple of events. Let's do it just a good straight Hawkeye story. Oh, oh you mean that's... kill him and bring him back to life with Avengers Disassembled and House of M? Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, but no, they're they've been setting up Young Avengers pretty extensively with uh, Patriot. Young Loki, Miss Marvel, eventually. Uh, we got um, the uh, we got the Scarlet Witch kids. Speed Wiccan. Yeah. If they survive. <laughs> oh, they're they coming survive. back. They'll be back by the end of Multiverse of Madness. I'll bet my bottom dollar. All right, you, uh, you have to give me fifty dollars if they aren't back by that movie. Deal. You know what? Fuck it. Deal. We just made and a bet right here. I, I don't know. This man owes me like eighty bucks now. Thanks. Shut up. On your tab. It's on your tab. <laughs> no. And also, hey, uh, with Speed and Wiccan coming back into the MCU fold, that would also mean uh, a new bi and gay character uh, coming through. Flag. Yeah, which should, they, they actually... should probably set up Hulkling in the uh, in the Hulk sh- in the uh, She Hulk show. I bet. Oh, that'd be yeah. fun. Yeah. No secret uh, secret invasion. Because Hulkling's a scroll. Yeah. Ah. Oh. Damn, that's a fucking. <laughs> Just remembering all the fucking like relationship drama between that because also right now hulkling's uh the king of the cross uh kree scroll alliance yeah <laughs> but like uh to get back to the movie for a second another thing i do like is how they um they do highlight a good bit about how um compared to the other avengers black widow is just a person like she loses a good couple of fights in this movie and you see her get bruised up and Yelena even makes a comment at one point, I doubt a god from space needs ibuprofen after a fight. That's just but, uh, a good little detail. But comment. also shows like why she's valuable to the Avengers because she wants to do good so much and she's willing to go so hard. Mm-hmm. It also just really showcases like uh, why she was the kind of person to sacrifice her life to get the Infinity Stone. Yeah. There's a lot of good, there's a lot of good subtle character building in this movie. Um, that's only undermined a little bit, I think, by the fact that they kill a ton of people in the prison break sequence, despite having just gone on about, we're done killing people. <laughs> yeah. yeah that's, I that's mean, to be weirdest. fair, they're, like, evil people, but, oh, well. <laughs> Tell me about oh, the There's, like, prison prisoners as human beings. How much do you think they're evil, or how much do you think they're political prisoners? Dang. Mm. Um, well, that's all I gotta say. It was average marvel fair it might be like my le- i haven't seen thor the dark world so i wouldn't know uh like how bad that is probably my like oh, it's a little bit more average than this was like this honestly felt like uh a marvel movie ripped straight after civil war that oh this is okay this is pretty good yeah well even so after civil war there was like they started to get a bit more creative like like you know mm-hmm. i don't know at least visually and I also feel like I'm a good bit... Well, that's the thing, Buster, is, like, this is going for a much different feel than a lot of MCU content we've been getting lately. This is a lot more... Until, a lot more until, the, until the end of it, it's a, it's a very down-and-dirty, straight spy film. It's, a, yeah. it's, it's James Bond. The first half of it is Daniel Craig, James Bond. That's the right name, right? Yeah. And then the last half is Peter Brosnan, James Bond. Which is funny because she's watching a Peter Brosnan film at one point in the movie. Yeah, hint at the vibe they're going for. But like that's what I'm saying. It's like it's it's that last vestiges of we don't know how weird we can make these movies. Let's keep it safe. 
Yeah, I okay, I can kind of see that, but still, I'd probably give it like a six out of ten overall. That's like, fine. That's fair. That's well, good. here's That's the like... thing, Buster. Going into this, because it had been so long since I'd seen a trailer, and I had just grown so like, well, we who knows if this is even going to come out at this point? Is the place I was in my head until like literally a week ago when I found out it was coming out this week. I was just like. I'm expecting a 6 out of 10. Nothing better, nothing worse. And in my opinion, it's a 7 out of 10. Yeah, I'd say 7 for me. Also, it's just because I love Marvel. So, like, I I grade heavy on a curve. Like, I can sit down and watch Dark World. I wouldn't be mad. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, because I've only seen Dark World once, I could probably stand to watch it again. But that would be purely for research purposes. Oh, very much so. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. I, I, I just, it felt like it could have been better. Not like in terms of like, you know, it needs to go wackier and just felt like just overall like create, like writing wise. But then that's, that's just my dumb brain. Yeah. But it was also like, it was trying to bridge two connections without deviating too hard. Yeah. It's like, this was the next movie in the timeline. They could have gone harder, but like, they also had to go immediately into the end credit scene of Civil War. This is a weird thing to say, given how many um, people have already seen the MCU, but I feel like this movie will play a lot better for new people who come into the MCU and watch it all in continuity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, uh, seven, six, around that area. It's a it's a good movie, and if you're in the mood for it, sweet. If not, eh, it's not it's not it's not one hundred percent necessary Marvel viewing. But definitely don't pay thirty dollars for it on Disney Plus. Yeah, I'd actually recommend going seeing it in a theater. I almost going... did. I almost did that, and then I was I woke up that morning and I was like, "Wait a minute, I could just torrent it and send the file to Boingo." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, like, like I, I think uh, like if you want to like uh, the quote unquote best viewing experience, go see it in a theater like opening weekend. Or like mm-hmm. around the opening because like it's doing really well like i actually went to like one theater they were sold out on all their opening weekend shows and i was well, like that's oh it's i the, guess it's the first back. yeah it's the first big movie since the uh the pandemic has unofficially ended in the united states i really states. thought fast nine would be the first like big sellout one but apparently that's not doing so hot in america I think the, like put the memes though but that does make me uh that does make me optimistic about uh Snake Eyes in a couple weeks. I really, really hope that movie does well. Yeah, let me and, you know, Snake Eyes is budget. But uh, like uh, budget. Uh, but I like no on- honestly, it's like it's interesting that we're getting to like two prequely spy movies in the same year. Yeah. Okay, I haven't in the same month. Yeah. <laughs> and one of them comes out on the twenty ninth movies, and each of those movies have a red-haired spy woman in it. Ah, and a black-haired Russian-esque spy woman in it. <laughs> I am making connections where there are none. It's almost like they they both originate from the same company. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, Remember, technically, folks, I don't know if you want to go back to G.I. Joe's true origin, but... Yeah. G.I. Joe was created by Bob Budiansky. Let's be honest here. Before Larry the, before, Hama. How many times do I have to tell you this? Bob Budiansky is Transformers. Larry Hama is G.I. Joe. No, I could have swore Bob Budiansky wrote the comics. No, Larry Hama. He is he is he is like the papa of the G.I. Joe universe to a lot of people. I'm looking up Bob Budiansky. Yeah, no, you're right. Like the fellows I'm just want to property, sir. <laughs> so do you fellows just want to like talk about Loki and me going, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Let's try to I could stand to do that. Okay. 
so we jump into Loki after the end of the last episode. This is episode five, Journey into the Mystery. Journey into Mystery. I love that name because it's the first appearance of Thor in the comics. Mm-hmm. And it's also the first appearance of Loki. He uh, he showed up in Journey into Mystery first. Um, and basically, uh, we get a little recap of what's happened. Uh, and we are shown a little micro scene in basically the area that Loki showed up in at the end of episode four, where he's on the ground and the the, the Loki squad are going like, all right, come with us if you want to live. And we see a giant cloud with a mouth on the horizon. And then we go to the title screen and we're back at the TVA mm-hmm. with uh, Sylvie uh, basically interrogating Rinslayer going like, all right, what the fuck's going on here? Also, uh, I should hear, okay, I, I've been like, I've been hearing everyone talk about the TVA, and I'm like, why is everyone talking about television animation? <laughs> TVA, I must know. They're okay. the time variance authority. Uh, uh, basically, they're time cops. If something weird happens in time, they go in and go like, oh, boy, you did something weird with time. We go all the fucking do a thing. And they uh, yeah, like the time force. The whole point of the show is that um, there's only supposed to be one timeline because a long time ago there was a multiverse and that got real messy. So these ancient dudes called the Timekeepers made it one timeline and made this thing called the TVA to keep it all in sync with itself. And anytime a timeline starts to branch off, anytime there is a variant, the TBA swoops in and eliminates that variant. And one variant of Loki, uh, who is now calling herself Sylvie, is going like, nah, that's bullshit, fuck y'all, I'm gonna take down your whole organization and kill the Timekeepers. And we just found out in the previous episode that the Timekeepers don't actually exist, they're robots, and now our version of Loki is stuck in a void space with a bunch of other alternate versions of Loki. That's Uh, that's where where Alexander Loki comes from. Yeah. Um, but then we, uh, but basically, Sylvie's talking to Rinslayer, going, like, All right, what the fuck's happening here? And uh, Rinslayer starts to give some explanation. Because the void isn't just a void, it's a section at the end of time. If you know Marvel Comics, this is not what the end of time looks like. <laughs> I so could like, just hear you what? squirming in your seat this whole episode. <laughs> it, because it's not, it's wrong, but it's not wrong because it's telling a story. It's not trying to, yeah. So like, is it like another place? It might no, be revealed it. to be that. We have a few episodes left to find out. One episode. Uh, but this is this is what they're calling the end of time. In Marvel Comics, the end of time is basically nothing, and it's Galactus and Franklin Richards talking. At 616, we haven't had a Galactus and Franklin Richards in this universe yet, so who knows? But that's I definitely... Like, I feel like this series is paving the way for that to be it. Yeah. Um, because in the next... Because, dear God, we're going to Marvel Metaphysics. Okay, um, <laughs> the universe that is Marvel Comics is actually b- one incarnation of a recyclable universal thing. Basically, a universal constant. Yeah, it, of uh, infinite of uh, of uh, big bangs and constant and cosmic crunches. Basically, big bang happens, universe happens for however long the universe happens, and then it slowly entropies and crunches into something smaller, 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 and then one entity from that universe survives into the next universe and becomes a Galactus, which is a a, a world-ender, a world-eater. Um, and in the main Marvel universe, that is uh, going to be Franklin, that is destined to be Franklin, 
uh, though there are a couple of redundancies, such as Mr. Immortal of the Great Lakes Avengers and the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> Marvel cosmic shit goes very dumb, very fast. Uh, but we're in this void space where basically the TVA goes like, all right, if we're pruning something, we dump it here. As uh, Loki is being told by the other Lokis, hey, we aren't going to do anything. We're just trying to survive the best we can. And he because goes, there's, like, because the big angry Galactus space cloud from Rise of Silver Surfer is here and it's going to eat us if we don't keep moving. Here's the thing. That's actually a thing from the comics. I'm sure. That's just what it reminded me of. Oh, yeah. But no, that's what it looked like in the comics. It was a big cloud with a giant mouth. Mm. Uh, and oh. they controlled an aspect of time grander than Kang. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, so even more Kang jokes, more references. Also, did we see the Thanos copter yet? Thanos uh, copter showed up. It's in that scene. Thanos copter is in that scene. And that was, I, I marked out hard at that. Like literally the second I saw that, I shot up out of my seat and went, that's the fucking Thanos copter. Don't raw sweat, Kino. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and basically they started going like, okay, why are you following the kid? And the kid goes, I killed Thor. And it's like, oh, shit. Okay. I love how everybody is just standing the kid in the alligator while I'm right I'm right here going like, but Richard E. Grant is classic Loki. It's Richard E. Grant is classic Loki, everybody. And it has an entire episode character arc that makes you feel for the man. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Uh, but we get to their hideout, which is an underground bowling alley where they just kind of hang out. Uh, Sylvie and Renslayer are basically going like, all right, cool. We need to take down the TVA. And Renslayer is like, yeah, we need to take down the TVA. Hey, Miss Minutes, do you have a do you have the the ship that we can use to get to the end of time? Yeah, let me let me waste some time so uh, agents can come here and uh, help take care of Sylvie. By the way, I'm I'm uh, pulling up. I've been trying to pull up here a list of references because Thanos Copter wasn't the only thing. This whole episode is like Reference City because the building I thought was Avengers Tower is actually the uh, the headquarters of Kang's company. Mm -hmm. um, and we also see a bottle with Frog 4 on it. We see Yellow Jacket's helmet from Ant-Man. We see the Dark Aster, and we see a S.H.I.E.L.D. helicarrier in the background. Not any S.H.I.E.L.D. helicarrier. That's one of the Hydra S.H.I.E.L.D. helicarriers. Mm -hmm. uh, we also see a statue of the Living Tribunal. Oh, I missed that. Yep. Um, some people are saying it's like, no, it's the actual head. No, it's a statue. Just the living tribunal still alive because there's only one living tribunal. Um, but after the Minutemen come in and try to take Sylvie, Sylvie goes like, all right, fuck it. I know it's not deleting people. It's not erasing them. It just puts them into the void. Sweet. I'm going to go hang out uh, with uh, my boyfriend. <laughs> oh, don't worry. It get, This gets goes places. Um, as basically our, our Loki's talking to old Loki and boastful Loki and kid Loki and just like going like, okay, why, how, why did you get time blipped and all that kind of stuff? And they start sharing stories with uh, old Loki, classic Loki, basically going like, yeah, no, y'all are idiots. You need to practice magic more. Magic's dope. Boastful Loki is going like, oh man, I did so much dope shit. And it's like, no, you didn't. Crocodile, uh, alligator Loki is going like, oh, he ate a, he ate a neighborhood cat when he shouldn't have. Uh, and all these kind of things. They're just sharing stories. And Loki basically goes like, yo, we should try and get out of here and stop the TVA. And they all laugh in space. Yeah. And as he's trying to get out. They've all been here a while and they all know there's no way to escape. 
Um, also, we find out classic Loki basically got to the same point in his timeline as our Loki does, but his illusion worked. He escaped Thanos and just lived on a deserted planet forever. And the second he tried to escape is when the TVA came for his ass. Yep, because that's what created the variant. Uh, and as Loki's trying to uh, leave the bowling alley, who should show up but President Loki? Yeah, that was that was an amazing subversion of expectations, because I was expecting that to be something Tom Hiddleston puts on at some point in the show. I mean, and Tom Hiddleston did point it, put it on, but not the Tom Hiddleston I was expecting. Uh, and then we cut back to Sylvie, who's just showed up into the end of time as she's staring down uh, Elias, uh in the face. And we see a pizza car come up, and who should be driving it? But one Emmy, uh, Mobius and Mobius. Wow. Wow. Wow, it's Mobius. He's come to save today. Wow. Was that pizza car supposed to be a reference to something, or was it just a pizza car for comedy? I think it's just supposed to be a pizza car. It's it would have been cool. Story it, reference. I'm calling it, it now. It should have been. It should have been. <laughs> it would have. Like that's the thing is, like, I saw the little pizza on top, and I'm like, is that a Pizza Planet truck? And then it gets closer, and it's just a car. Yeah, no. If it was Pizza Planet, it'd be a rocket ship. It should have either been a Pizza Planet car, which would have been fun, cute little reference. They were both owned by Disney. They could have gotten away with it. Or it should have been a red sports car. Also, uh, while the Lokis are swapping stories, because my uh, my replay is on that scene right now, mm-hmm. uh, they're drinking Roxy wine. Yep, Roxy wine. It's just, just a good fucking joke as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Also, Kid Loki's apparently drinking, like, Ecto Cooler. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, and it's also revealed... This cabinet. I just noticed yeah, that. There's, there's a Plumbius cabinet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the junkyard of history, man. Scott the Waz is canon with the MCU. <laughs> Wait, what? Oh, yeah, Polybius. No, actually, that was AVGN, like, with the Polybius cabinet. <laughs> yeah, but Scott the Waz is canon with AVGN. Oh, oh God. So that means some call me Johnny is canon to the MCU. Oh, my because... God, Buster. Does that mean you're canon with the MCU? And by okay, extension, well, us? I think we're all canon. <laughs> That's how the Marvel Universe works, buds. I mean, we were already canon. I don't remember what they, what number our universe is supposed to be, but our universe does have a Marvel yeah, designation. Yeah, but like now we are, there's alternate versions of us. Um, and basically we have a little argument between uh, all the Lokis, including all the Lokis that President Loki's uh, in charge of. And uh, our Loki is just having none of it. He's just going like, Wow, I'm an asshole. I fucking hate this. Every version of me is a fucking lying dick who betrays everyone. And then just a fight happens. And uh, Classic Loki creates some illusions to help get Classic Loki, our Loki, Kid Loki, and Gator Loki out of there. And so they do. And hey, who should they run into? But Sylvie and Mobius. And it's just like, oh, they found Mobius. Big old happy day. Everything's great. And like, then we get a, 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 a scene solidifying how big, uh, how dangerous Eliath is as a, 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 a World War II battleship drops in and starts attacking it and get decimated. Yeah, Eliath eats it in like two seconds. Yep. And then we come back to the TVA with uh, Renslayer interviewing the Minuteman. Uh, I can't remember her number designation. Something 86, I think. Yeah. Uh, it basically goes like, hey, what, what is, how, how do you feel about this whole thing? And she basically goes like, fuck it. And Rensselaer goes like, no, no, the TVA needs to exist because of stability and everything, and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, that's bullshit. Just catching up with that. 
character and all that kind of stuff. As uh, Renslayer is walking out, she tells Miss Minutes, hey, we I need to see the beginning of time because the timekeepers might be in danger. Uh, we need to save them. And Miss Minutes is like, oh, okay. I don't think I'm allowed to do that, but sure. As we get a cute little moment between Mobius and classic Loki of Mobius going like, I don't think that Gator is a Loki. I think that's just a Gator. And classic Loki, it listens and to everything we tell it to do. Yeah, and classic Loki just basically goes like, no, it's a Loki. It's green. You know what? Fair enough. Also, look at him. He's a sweetie. Dude, I bet I, his real name is you... Frank. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's Frank. Frank uh, gets you from an alternate timeline. Frank. Oh, it's Bitey Frank. This is a Bitey Frank. It is a Bitey Frank. Wait, if actual Frank shits in an alligator skull, does this Frank shit in a snake skull? No, the shit alligator shits in a Craig skull. Oh, watch Dank Pods, people. It's it's key. It's Goat Rosswag Kino YouTube. Yep. Um, but outside, classic Loki and Sylvie are basically having the most awkward conversation of, so we're telling the same person, yeah, but we have feelings for each other. We're not saying that. No, we're not saying that. Um, But we need to talk about it. Do we need to talk about it? Um, I mean, we're both technically frost giants, so we shouldn't feel cold, but we're snuggling under a blanket. It's very awkward, and I love it. Mm-hmm. Um. And it is something that would definitely make 2012-era Tumblr fucking quiver in its uh, draft boxes. <laughs> um, this is um, like this is like the year of giving 2012-era Tumblr shit they couldn't even dream of. This show and fucking Owl House, I swear to God. Yeah. Uh, but basically, uh, the Loki, Loki and Sylvie come up with a plan of what they're going to do. They're going to fucking kill uh, Elioth so that they can get through the void and figure out what's at the end of it all mm-hmm. uh as mobius basically goes like all right cool i have a we have a 10 bat i'm gonna get out of here so yeah. i can go help uh tva but so gone mm-hmm. they probably had stuff to do yep it's fine they got to talk about black widow so in the meantime we'll just hype mission their accomplished shit. so in the meantime we'll hype their shit at the end just remind me back because i won't remember i will it'll be fine um yeah, yeah. but then uh Another thing I love is just like I saw this meme of Mobius in episode one, and it's uh, it's um, Steve Carell from The Office being like, "Nah, I love this place. This is my whole life." And then Mobius in episode five should have burned this place down when I tried, when I had the chance. Yep. But so Mobius is going back to the TVA to basically burn it from the inside to help them out that way. As uh, Loki and Sylvie conduct their plan, and old man Loki, co- uh, classic Loki, and kid Loki basically go like, "Yeah, we don't have any other place to go to. This is our home. We're just staying here." Yeah, which is fair enough. Though I'm sure we'll see kid Loki. Yeah, we'll see kid Loki. That kid is signed for like five movies. I bet. Oh yeah, and uh, Owen Wilson base uh, and Mobius basically says his fond farewells to Loki and goes like, you know what? You were my friend. I, I do care about you. And then the cheekiest joke in the world, he hugs Sylvie and goes like, you were my favorite. <laughs> this is fucking that turned into a meme, which was great. Yep. Uh, and then Loki. Oh, that's the, that's the scene with uh, the living tribunal statue. Oh, is it? Hold on. I'm sending it to you. Okay. I look forward to seeing it. Oop. Wow. 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 Uh, 
So Loki and Sylvie conduct their plan to to stab a giant cloud. And it's going okay, not great. And then classic Loki goes like, all right, I'm going to do what's called a big brain move. And he uses his entire magic to create an illusion of a golden immaculate Asgard. Mm-hmm. As he sacrifices himself to help to help the plan to enchant the giant cloud. He achieves and his glorious purpose. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. Like I said, one episode, an entire character arc. What more could you ask? Shed a tear. Shed a tear. It is that good, like, genuinely. I I was like, fuck yeah, classic Loki. Fuck yeah. Because mm-hmm. there's also, like, a level of, like, he is Loki. So there's all that previous ca- Loki characterization we have that we can just kind of implant onto him that he never actually went through. You know? Yeah, it's technic it's I mean it's technically comic book Loki that lived the life of MCU Loki. Yeah. Um but basically Sylvie and Loki with the power of friendship, love, and uh confused horniness. And a bit of hope. And a bit of hope. Finally do enchant Eliath, make makes it disperse, and we see a house on the horizon. So what the fuck do you think this is? People have been theorizing that this is Kang. I don't think it's Kang. I think that's the House of Ideas. Mm. Now, the House of Ideas is a more recent thing in comics. Um, hold on. I can probably pull it up, so give me a second. But basically, the House of Ideas is uh, a, a metaphysical place within the Marvel continuity that essentially is a place where all the stories are told of the Marvel Universe, you know? Yeah, I know this. I'm I'm having you explain it to the listeners, dude. I don't know how much you know of this shit. You've told me this like three times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, but it's the it's the place where stories get told of the Marvel universe and that kind of thing. And Loki goes there and basically is like, "All right, cool. You if you get to this place metaphysically, kind of in an idea, uh, you get what you want as in terms of what your stories are about. Uh, you will forget." Because if you remember what it is, you become the god of you become master of stories, and that's how Loki becomes the god of stories in comics right now. Because he did a thing to make himself remember. Because as soon as you leave the doors, you forget. And the House of Ideas is ran by then and now. That's partially why I think it's the House of Ideas, because then and now are very time-based characters who are the son and daughter of Eternity. Now, I don't think they're malicious and created the TVA. I think some other entity created the TVA as it is right now. But I do think that place is the House of Ideas. Maybe maybe they tried to create the sacred timeline and the universe created the TVA as a natural coping mechanism for that because it's an unnatural state for the universe. Yep. But, like, I'm looking at the page where they really, truly introduced the House of Ideas, and they basically explain, like, what people wanted for their stories. Like, for some, it was a matter of uh, necessity. No single lifetime, even an Asgardian one, can contain all the heroic feats they were prophesied to perform. For others, we were humbled by their sense of responsibility. They desired more time to sacrifice, a chance perhaps to save everyone. But still others, in their heart of hearts, they asked for more time to be punished. With the three people they're talking about being Thor, Spider-Man, and Wolverine. It's basically like, it's just general vibe of like, because a long time ago, the House of Ideas also be was the, the, the nickname given to the Marvel office. Yeah, the Marvel office has a lot of names. The bullpen, the House of Ideas. Yeah, 
But like, so this is kind of like canonizing the idea of like the writers and telling the stories and why these stories matter. And I think that's partially what Loki's kind of getting about is like, why does Loki's story matter? Because they said that all throughout the show is, oh, Loki's lose. They Loki's lose so others can be better, you know? Makes sense. So I do think Kang is part of, like, they're going to mention Kang, but I don't think they're going to show Kang. Maybe they'll go like, oh, Rensler, you're not supposed to be here. We need to get you back with your husband. And she'll be like, what? And then just poof out of existence. Yeah, there could be something like that. But, like, I don't know exactly how it's going to end. That's my only prediction for the next episode is, like, that's the House of Ideas. They're doing something involving that. Yeah, I mean, frickin', uh wandavision kind of taught us all we should stop trying to guess how these things are going to end like it's fun to theorize but we shouldn't get we shouldn't take our own theorizations as fact right um but it is leading to something kind of big and cosmic and kind of fun like that so we'll we'll figure it out more as we go as we get the next episode and i think that's kind of about it for loki there's a lot of easter eggs we could talk about there's a lot of things we could theorize about but again it's almost kind of pointless to theorize things because these shows are, they don't necessarily zig when they zag, but when you think they're going to zig and zag, they just keep walking forward. Uh-huh. Is the best way to put it. Put it. But, but dude, frickin' uh, End Spider-Man's Marriage Man is going to show up in this, right? No. Where is he? I know him because people told me he'll be in WandaVision. Where is he? know what fuck it if mephisto ever shows up in the mcu i want the gross 90s mephisto that's what you and, guys that's what all these people deserve and also i want them to make fun of wandavision somehow through mephisto what you think i what the scarlet witch that's beneath me what the hell are you talking about who the fuck is scarlet witch oh is that is that a chathon thing god damn it chathon why'd you do that fucking weirdo <laughs> i have enough I have enough trouble with my goddamn kid. Look at look at this emo ass motherfucker. I love to kill people. See? He doesn't even want to make deals. He just wants to kill people. Go fuck yeah. off with Johnny Blaze. Yeah, yeah, get get out of here and stop bringing Eric's kids into this for the love of god. Jesus Christ. I bet th- I bet the guy in 616 doesn't have to fucking deal with this. <laughs> I do hope that uh like this is completely an, a, a a non sequitur but i hope that uh elizabeth Olsen sticks around in the mcu long enough that we can have a scene with her mcu magneto and mcu polaris on screen together i feel like that'll be a cool moment if it can ever happen yeah if they ever adapt polaris because she's always the magneto kids that gets forgotten not anymore hickman's doing oh, no. a lot with her yep 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 that's good that's right that's right but we're not talking about X-Men yet, because we're done with uh, Black Widow, we're done with Loki. So why don't you showcase some of the, 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 the that they're in their toy news. You want to talk about toys? Let's talk about toys. Well, unfortunately, there's not a lot of toys to talk about this week, because a lot of companies seem to be um, slowing down and uh, gearing up for what would have been SDCC season. There's still not going to be an official SDCC this year. But a lot of companies are so used to doing reveals around this time of year, but the way the production schedules work, it's going to be a lot of a lot of stuff that'll start dropping in the next couple of weeks, and we'll go all the way up till September. We're going to be getting a lot of toy news, 
probably a lot of trailers for things and announcements mm -hmm. of things. I wouldn't be surprised if Disney holds some kind of special press conference. We'll see. Could this be the first instance of seeing anything significant with any upcoming like secret wars and it's entirely possible we could see stuff in between now and the end of september and armor wars mm -hmm. that would be uh that would be exciting but first things first from the toy world this week we have the reveal of the um hot toys toy fair 2021 exclusive spider-man one six scale video game cyborg spider-man costume hell yeah because that was a skin in the game and hot toys got the license to make figures for that game so they're just making all these crazy spider-man variants i don't remember what comic that was in it was like mid 90s i think oh yeah no i'm just trying to remember the specific comic because it was a very specific thing but no, this thing looks great. I love the colors on the actual suits. Uh, the belt really pops in a fun way, I think. And it comes with a decent amount of accessories. You get one, two, three, four, five pairs of hands, a bunch of different web accessories, and a base with a big old bendy piece on it so you can pose him like he's swinging through the air. Oh, and there's alternate eyes I didn't notice for the regular Spider-Man eye side. You can have it fully open, sort of squinting and really squinting. Um, but as I've stated previously, I do not collect 1-6 scale stuff, and Hot Toys is usually pretty expensive. And you can expect this to be really expensive, because uh, it was going to be a Toy Fair exclusive, and then there wasn't a Toy Fair this year, so they're releasing it during SDC season for, uh, I think, some kind of ridiculous exclusive price on the Sideshow Collectibles website. Yeah. But it's cool to look at, and uh, hey... Revenge uh, of the Sinister Six. Hmm. That's what it was. But uh, on top of that, we also have another Hot Toys reveal. Uh, another thing that was going to be a Toy Fair exclusive, which is the um, Avengers Infinity War Neon Tech Iron Man 4.0, which is essentially a repaint of their Infinity War Iron Man in fucking Batman Beyond colors. You know, not... A oh, it's also orange. Oh, yeah, that is I thought it was red. Sorry. That is orange. You know, it looks pretty sick. Iron Man, Taz version. Mm -hmm. It looks good. Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty much all there is to say that. And uh, hey, continuing on with the Iron Man train, uh, we have our first uh, Marvel Select figure in quite a while. Um, uh, they are doing a Silver Centurion armor Iron Man based on the original comic. And it looks to have just a little bit more features than the recent Marvel Legends figure did. Um, that being there will be an unhelmeted head, the helmet itself will be able to flip up and do the goggles thing, and there will be a chest blast. Nice. Great little, like, uh, Armor Wars era Iron Man. Yeah. I'm I'm fully happy with the uh, Marvel Legends version I have of the suit, so I won't be hunting this down. But for anybody who missed out on that because it was a Walgreens exclusive or just didn't like it because of some of the gappy articulation, um definitely one to shoot for i mean like that's uh that isn't great though on the 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 plane head though yeah it's not great but it's also an era of tony stark unmasked head we don't have an action figures yet so yeah that's another very, reason to go after it all the notes era tony stark mm -hmm. uh but uh all right so this requires a little bit of explaining um so everything uh, we, we do requires a little bit of explaining <laughs> yeah 
we started off the uh, the beginning of the show talking about Black Widow and how that film was delayed and delayed and delayed due to uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. Well, the part of that movie that wasn't delayed was the action figures. Uh, there were toys for that that were literally shipping and showing up on store shelves as COVID was getting to the point where they had to delay the movie. Mm-hmm. And pretty much every figure for that movie has come out at this point, so much so to the point where Hasbro is actually looping back around. And uh, a couple weeks ago, they announced they were going to be doing a a set of uh, a more accurate, because their, their initial wave of figures was based off a of concept art, and the Red Guardian wasn't quite there. So they're doing a two-pack of a redone Red Guardian that's more movie accurate, and the mom uh, from the movie, who hadn't gotten a figure yet. But that was already announced. Um, the new thing this week is SH Figure Arts has announced that they will be doing a Tamashi Web exclusive White Widow suit, uh, Natasha Romanoff. Bad. Yeah. I haven't been keeping up with Marvel Figure Arts for a long time because their likenesses got really bad. But uh, this does look fairly solid, especially for a Tamashi Web exclusive, um, which is just of which should be kept to just variants of characters that not everybody's going to want. Although more often than not, it's it's common writer base forms for um, auxiliary characters that everybody wants. No, mate. Why would they want them as a side character? It's not the main writer. I'm a Japanese executive talking about toys. I can tell by your thick Australian accent. Uh, and then our final bit of news this week is also SH Fregawards, which is that the uh, the full solicitation for the SH Fregawards Tech on Avengers Iron Man has come out, which means we get some more photography of that figure. Um, and I feel the same way I have about it ever since this line was announced is I like this Iron Man as just another uh, like more amped up Iron Man armor. I don't care about the rest of the Avengers in Iron Man armor. It's not an interesting concept to me. So if I, I mean, was going to get any of these figures, I would get this one. But even then, it's not entirely my aesthetic. So I probably won't get this one. I have a feeling these would work better as model kits. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing. There's another company that's doing uh, model kits of the Avengers in Iron Man armor at the same time. And it's different designs. It's not Bandai? You know, Bandai? No, I think it's Sentinel. Gun- Gunpla? Dude, I'm just looking at my Gunpla boxes right now. Mm-hmm. And also, like, all of this is happening, what, one or two years after uh, frickin' um, the Avengers Mecha comic ended? There's a new one out right now. Oh, that might be what I'm thinking of. Maybe this is all trying to tie into that, but in the stupidest way possible. Yeah. Mm. Hold on. I am going through the things to see if I can find it now. But again, it's cool design. It's done by the same dude who did the uh, Sinan adaptation of Ultraman. Yeah, it looks, got a, it looks uh, fine. It's just not entirely my thing. I've never even, like, I appreciate what that guy has done for a Western understanding of Toku, but I don't like his design philosophy. I don't like the way a lot of his Ultraman designs look. It's very much, hey, I want to draw a knight armor, but, like, not. Also, I want to tell a story about Kamen Rider, but only Tsuburaya will listen to me, so I guess I'm doing Ultraman. Yeah. Yep, next strike. Uh, Completely yeah. different designs. 
So now this is just a weird case of a couple of Japanese companies going, let's let's put the Avengers in Iron Man armor. I bet nobody's thought of that before. It, it, it is very much, oh, hey, Avengers is making money. We should actually work with Marvel. Good idea, good idea. Let's make a Deadpool manga. Yeah. No, but looking at uh, the cover for Avengers Mech Strike again, I do hope all those eventually get like Transformers crossovers figures because the Transformers crossovers figures have been really good recently, and these look like they're tailor-made for that. Yeah. Uh, but that is all the toy news that's fit to print. So it's now time for the segment that only me and you care about. Fucking next men, mate. So should I talk about what I've been reading first? Yes, let's do that. So, so what are you oh. up to? Okay, let me quick rapid fire off every issue I read this week. Sword number one, Marauders number 16, New Mutants number 14, X-Force number 15, Excalibur number 16, X-Men number 16, Wolverine number 8, Hellions number 8, X-Factor number 8, Sword number 2, Marauders number 17, Cable number 7, X-Force number 16, New Mutants number 15, Excalibur number 17, X-Men number 17, and Wolverine number 9. Okay. Uh, so what do you thought? What are your thoughts post Sex of Swords, Ten of Swords? Uh, I I really dig the the way Sword is set up. Um, first of all, Ab- Abigail Brand is a fucking look. Um, I I dig her whole aesthetic, and I dig the whole aesthetic of the Sword uh uniforms too. Like, I really hope we get like a whole wave of Marvel Legends that's just here's Hickman Sword because those are dope ass costumes. Um, yeah. Their streetwear meets astronaut. It's great. Mm-hmm. I also love how like the whole command structure is played very much like Abigail Brand wants them to act like they're on Star Trek, and everybody's just kind of like, "No, we're just we're just we were we were mutants on Krakoa last week. Why should we change the way we act towards each other?" Uh, yeah. And Magneto in that book is also fucking hilarious because like the second he comes onto the space station, he's like. All right, this is pretty cool. This is pretty great. Good to see you finally got a job, Cable. Um, oh God, here's this weird zealot guy who fucking wants me to talk to the Quiet Council about killing humans. I'm gonna, I'm gonna scooch away from him. <gasps> My old friend. I didn't even know you were resurrected yet. Oh, give me a hug. Give me a hug. I can't. Uh, we gotta do lunch sometime, man. As the guy who wanted to talk to the Quiet Council about killing humans is just standing in the background, like senpai. Notice me. I worshipped you in the 90s. <laughs> that, also, Beepers that... only had, like, one other appearance before then. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, um, in the 60s. Yeah. And then the issue after that, I believe, was, like, a uh, was a tie-in to King and Black. Yeah, it looks like I'm running into some King and Black tie-in stuff, which is fine, because I know what happens in King and Black. So I'm just like, all right, we're doing this now. That's fine. We get we're getting like a mission of the week for Sword. They're going down to an ice planet, which is also Krakoa. All right, fine. Um, and then uh, uh, I finally got to the first thing about Hickman X Men. You told me Marauders number sixteen, where they beat the Ooh. fuck out of Shaw. Like, fuck remember yeah. you you told me about that back during Analytical Fanboys, dude. Oh yeah, man. Um. And that whole issue was just so good, like such great comedy and and shitting on the character. And like, I lost it when I got to that fucking Ara Ara shot I posted in your server. It is, it is beautiful fucking cosmic karma bullshit. It's great. 
Uh, and then the issue after that with Calyp- Calypso basically being like, Storm, would you please kill me? I don't want to kill anyone. We're friends. No, please. I need my powers back. Fuck, you do need your powers back. All right, I'll kill you. That was yeah. that was that was a good little issue. Um, I really like what's going on in New Mutants right now, where like uh, Doug is settling into married life, and meanwhile, um, everyone else is just running running what would be the Xavier School if we were in a normal X Men status quo. Right. Um, yeah. Which which makes perfect sense. Given that their leader is Ileana, and Ileana's whole status quo right now is just that she is a teacher. Like, she teaches on Krakoa in the morning, and then she takes a portal to the Strange Academy for her afternoon classes there, which I found hilarious. Um, But no, that's great. I also really dig all the character development we're getting for Gabby, where she's like, so how come we aren't bringing back clones besides me and my sister why isn't uh i heard i heard there was some bullshit about madeline Pryor. what's that about and they're like and it's like having to explain to a kid why you're not supposed to swear oh. and then she wants to hang out with dokken she she has this whole subplot of like hey dokken let's go play and he's like over an x-factor this is um hey dokken let's go play and he's like i'm trying to get into this girl's pants could you leave me alone for five minutes <laughs> the annoying little sister uh, yep. and she freaking said she freaking says at one point uh i bet x23 would would want to play with me and it's like ooh, yeah. yeah i love the whole logan family yeah Just it's like, it's exactly as wholesome and fucked up as the bat family should always be yeah mm-hmm. i mean that's what happens when you have an entire family of people who can heal from fucking anything and they go like you know it'd be a fun thing to do let's fucking stab ourselves in the head yeah, that's literally what Dawkins says in that scene, too. He's like, could could you just give me some time alone with her? I'll meet you at the bar and we'll play Claws later. And she's like, yeah! Uh, and then the uh, the thing with Wolfsbane, where she's like really feeling upset about the fact that they can't bring back her son, that completely caught me off guard because like I didn't know about her, any of her backstory going into this, and you told me a little bit about it a few weeks ago. And so I knew it was coming, but man, that splash page where she's just expositing about her backstory, it's that fucks you up. That fucks yeah. you up a little. Um, and then, uh, oh, I also dig the scene where uh, Krakoa and Arako make avatars over an X-Men and Doug has to sit in the middle of the ocean and translate for them. Yeah, because it's ba- because basically that's when they start realizing, oh, Arako spent so much time away. They're two different people. They can't coexist anymore yeah and doug's trying to explain that to the quiet council he's uh, the quiet council is just sitting there going like so are they gonna fuck or not and doug's like they can't even talk to each other but will they fuck no (laughs) Uh, and then there's a there's a great scene where they go to talk to uh iska and they're like yo so do you guys have like a quiet council of your own and she's like oh that's cute you guys are a baby government you don't you don't even really get how this works yet. That's that's cute. And and Magneto's trying to keep posturing and he's like, Oh, don't don't worry. Char- Charles is a hopeless romantic, but I, I get it. Things are gonna be a little hard, but we're we're willing to make the sacrifices. And, and Chuck is just standing there next to him holding a portal flower, like, uh uh, Eric, fix it. I'm just an alpha level mutant, your Omega. You can do this. Yeah. Uh, 
And uh, oh, another detail I, I really liked from uh, X Force. Uh, there's a great scene setting up um, a thing they got to deal with in that book right now, where uh, you you see some sailors crash their ship, and they're like, "Oh, we're being told to uh, to go in this other direction that's going to make our trip take way longer." And the captain's like, "Why the fuck are we doing that, Krakoa? God damn it! Why won't that island stop moving?" And I'm like, "Yeah, that would be a problem in the real world, wouldn't it?" Yeah. Uh, I also dig um, just literally everyone in that book being like, yo, Beast, you fucked up by accusing Colossus of treason. And Beast is like, I'm just trying to, you fucked up. All right, I'll get him some paint. And Colossus is like, literally, Beast fucked up the book. Mm -hmm. And Colossus is like, thank you for the paint. I forgive you. Now fuck off and leave me alone. Uh, Um... And then uh, Excalibur is fine right now. I I enjoyed getting to see the new uh, family dynamic for the Braddocks with um, Jamie's court and and actually getting to because I I knew nothing about Megan going into this era, so getting a little more time with her was nice. Um, but uh, it's basically just like, let's get Bet- Betsy back to the main universe right now. And there's shenanigans. And okay, yeah, fine. Sure. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's also, I, I, that little story arc is a lot better in the second, uh, in like the upcoming issues because they bring in Kawan. Mm hmm. Because that was the whole thing. And she, she wakes up and she's like, wait, I'm the queen of England in this universe. And then Warren's like, yeah, and I'm also your boyfriend who can't marry you because I'm an American. Now, why don't you, uh, you and my ex-wife go and break into the place where you need to uh, cross over back into your reality? And Kawan's just like, God damn it, Warren, why won't you leave me to fuck alone? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I almost forgot. There was a real cute scene with uh, Kid Omega and uh, Phoebe in X-Force where, where she, she comes up as they're about to go dive into the waters under Krakoa. And and she's basically like, yo, I know resurrection is a thing, but I don't want to keep losing you. So here's a kiss for good luck. And Forge and Wolverine are just smiling at him like, yeah, kid, you get it. He's like, shut up. Honestly, Kid Omega getting in a relationship has really kind of calmed him down. Yeah, that seems to be where the book is going. And I, I'm enjoying that aspect of it. Uh, I think it's... There's a uh, has have we gotten the the refresh of Kid Omega yet? Not yet. I feel like this is this issue where that happens is building towards that. Yeah, because I um, really enjoyed that arc because like honestly, I've been loving Kid Omega and this whole stuff. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing more of that. Uh, and then the the last thing I really feel the need to talk about is uh, the cable issue. There was some really uh, really great wholesome stuff getting to see uh, Cable and Rachel go on a mission together. It, it actually genuinely reminded me of me and my big sister doing stuff back when she was around more. Um, and just that that whole bit of like, uh, hey, I know you weren't telling me everything, and I'm not going to tell on you to mom and dad, but watch your back, okay? And he's like, oh, don't worry about it. I'm going to get my bestie from the future to help me in the next issue. <laughs> yep. Ah, comic books. Yep, yep, yep. I love how complicated they're making Cable's whole family relationship just because it's Cable and you kind of have to do that. Yeah. And it's still super wholesome. Like, I love that dinner scene at the end of the issue where he's just, like, scarfing down food and Scott's like, will you please stay? Everyone is coming tonight. Even fucking Grandpa's coming. 
can't can't you just stay and he's like but i gotta go free the babies yeah honestly also really enjoy the art in the cable book it's some of the best art in this oh yeah it's really it's really good there's a lot of good art in current x-men but like that's pretty choice i'm warming up to the art in new mutants i hated it at first but that's pretty good um let me see if I can find another book I like. Oh, the uh, the usual artist Hickman uses for the main X book, at least at this point, the main X book is pretty good. Um, and then, uh, oh, I almost forgot. Uh, the uh, Another thing that's happening in New Mutants right now is, uh, what, what's her name? I think Consumor, the uh, the lady with the big uh, purple monster head. Kiss me. Little girl. Huh? Kiss me, I think it is. Kiss me. Yeah, she she's going Co- like Cosmore, Cosmore. Yes, okay, Cosmore. She's going like, "Hey, Danny, would you please kill me in the Crucible? Because I want to look normal again." And they're like, "Oh, sweetie, that's not how it works." And also, you should probably learn to love and accept your body because a lot of us had to do that. And she's like, "No, this fuck is probably you." Gonna happen again? Yeah, that was that you was would... rough shit to swallow, especially yeah. in current context with fucking. Uh, with, tra- with transgender issues being such a prevalent thing these days, which I feel like that was kind of what that was touching on, but also being extremely sensitive about it. Yeah, but it's also, like, it's that there's a little bit of, like, disability in there of, like, for lack of a better way of describing it, if there was that thing and you go, like, okay, cool, you can just resurrect with your full arm back again, there's going to be some people who, who have, like, who are living 100% fully-fledged lives who are have a prosthetic arm who might go like, hey, I'd like to do that. It's like, but you're fully fun. Like everything's fine. You don't need it. Yeah, but I'd like it. Yeah, but you don't need it. And like this is for me. That starts a slippery slope of what if people start killing themselves because they don't like the size of their noses. Yeah, there's little bits like that, but it's also like you can understand where this specific character is coming from. Yeah, because she she literally looks like the demented stuffed animal from Lilo and Stitch. Yep. Um, and that's getting some interesting things in New Mutants, which I've talked about a little bit. The, this is where the Shadow up. King shit starts, and that was that was uh, interesting to see. Yep. Um, but no, I'm I'm in, I'm enjoying that book. Like, uh, I I don't know. There's there's good wholesome stuff all around at this point. I'm enjoying the Reign of X so far. Yeah. So why don't we talk about some of the the current X-Men stuff? Yes, spoil I'll, me, Daddy. I'll go briefly, because Hellions uh, was a lot of, like, Hellion stuff, but it was, like, very kind of just, like, we're waiting. So uh, the, the scientists who were ma- making the AI robots uh, a couple issues ago are looking at the things or trying to figure things out as uh, Nanny is dealing with the little AI robot baby, which she was supposed to kill. Hmm. Um Oh as... yeah, that gets says that gets set up in the Hellions issues I read this week. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't it Arcade? Arcade wasn't part of that. Uh no, it was some some douchebag who thought it was like his divine right to kill mutants. Right. And they were right. like, You're not even a real person, you're a robot too. And he's like, What the fuck? Right, right, right. No, arcade's later. Arcade's later. Okay. Or has arcade already happened? I haven't seen arcade yet. Okay, yeah, no, arcade's later. Uh and basically we see the Hellions kind of like actually acting like a team and actually being friends. It was like kind of nice, but then you see Kelwan there, and she's and she knows this is all false implanted memories. This is bullshit, and it's kind of sucking that their character growth has to be done through bullshit. Oof. And she's like, she kind of uh, goes like, "Hey, you have no idea what I had to go through. Don't talk to me." 
as a orphan maker sees a robot baby and just goes like, okay, what the fuck's happening? Uh, and basically, um, John sees orphan maker. He's all sad. And he's like, Nana, Nanny doesn't want uh, me to hang around anymore. I'm sad. And he goes like, Hey, you know what? I'll help you out. You want to go clean guns? And he goes like, yeah, let's do clean, <laughs> clean guns. He's all excited as a uh, sinister is uh, walking around. He finally meets the sinister that died in Ten of Swords and that one thing, and he's come back and he's pissed. And it's like, oh shit. And uh, then Sinister calls all the Hellions to help deal with the problem. And basically the Hellions get learn that, oh, we were there just to collect DNA for Sinister. Sinister's an asshole. Fuck him. But also the Sinister that came back from uh, the other world has brought back minions because he joined the dude who killed him. Oh dear! Uh, and we end right before the fight scene starts. Has his uh, alliance with Jamie paid off at all yet? Because uh, that was a thing in Excalibur this week for me. No, not yet. Uh, I don't think so. Um, it'll pay off in Excalibur in a little bit. Okay, I'm pretty sure. Because he's like, "Can you make me a new Betsy?" And he's like, "That's really all you want me to do?" Yes, make me a new Betsy. And he's like, "Okay." Meanwhile, the actual Betsy is trying to get back to reality. Yeah, uh, and basically in X-Force, we're dealing more with uh, bullshit that Beast has been up to. Right. As uh, plant plant organisms are starting to spread out all over the world, and X-Force is trying to deal with it because they're uh, they're trying to figure out, is this us? Is this something else? What's going on here? We're trying to be covert, and things are being infected. And they find this one fisherman who's just got dealt, dealt with it, and like they're trying to, they're talking to the guy, and I go like, "Hey, did this man thing looking thing? Because it looks like man thing." Or you, and he's like, "No, I think I was trying to help me." They go like, "Okay, something weird's going on here." As Beast kind of goes like, "Yo, I think this is another man thing. It's not the man thing we all know. It's a different man thing." As like other, uh, as certain people wake up and puking up plant goop, as they realize they just killed people, and these were all people who are pro mutant oh, like dear. it's it's uh, a uh, a law uh, a lawmaker in DC has killed a man in broad daylight with a gun uh um uh Zurich for a financial summit CEO of a multinational corporation that determines a significant percentage of global trade and was working with the uh working with X Corp and he killed a person in front of a camera and there's also a police guard who's there to guard the gate to Krakoa in New York, who's basically there to make sure paparazzi don't show up for the mutants, because they're a hot topic right now. And she basically runs up to Kid Omega and uh, Phoebe and goes like, hey, I don't want to kill you, something's doing this, as uh, they basically have to, they basically deal with her. Uh, uh, and Beast is going like, okay, there's something going on and I am interested, because I'm Beast. As uh, we get a little scene with X-Force, Kid Omega, Wolverine, and Domino, laying a trap for the new Man-Thing so they can uh, basically try and talk to it. Man-Thing is wanting to fight, and so they fight a little, and there's a cool little fight scene. Uh, and basically go like, hey, yo, we don't want to hurt you. Can we, can we just can we just talk? And the Man-Thing pops up and goes like, I don't want to go back. And it's revealed that there is a factory, a little like lab, building these plant monsters, and the scientist in it is talking to the peacock dude. That's been around in the background of X-Books. So there's something interesting going on there. It also probably has something to do with the, the man thing of many that just recently ended. 
some stuff there. And then I read X-Men number one. This is just pure superhero action. Fuck That's yeah. all this issue is. It's just setting up like, here are the X-Men, here are what they're doing, here's a big, fun, goofy adventure for them. And here's some things that are going to be happening that will be interesting things for them to fight. So basically, we get introduced to this one dude who's the CEO of a company, and his whole his whole life's goal has basically been terraforming Mars for humanity. And then one day he wakes up, and Krakoa did it, and he's pissed. Like, completely, utterly, like, fuck all of this shit. I mean, that's um, fair. Like, the quote, the captions say, changing his body for Mars was easier than changing Mars for his body. Suddenly, every, suddenly everything he wanted in life was out of reach. The question was, who would pay for it? Not for, not me, them. It's basically setting up him as a baddie, which is, which is an interesting baddie. Uh, and then we get the introduction to the new headquarters for the X-Men, which is a treehouse right next to Central Park. Named after the um, area that central that was seized from Black Americans to create Central Park, we're still letting the Xavier School just rot away. Huh? Yeah, and there's also, but like they make a little uh, park in front of the tree uh, with uh, Krakoa technology and little memorials for uh, mutants who could not be resurrected due to the fact that they were they died before the resurrection protocols. Hmm. And Ben Yurick comes up to Cyclops and goes like, all right, Cyclops, what's the deal? How you doing? Uh, and starts doing the reporter stuff. And he starts asking about the treehouse and does all that kind of stuff. And he's and he's Ben Yurick, the detective. And he goes like, oh, hey, yeah, you guys are getting new suits. And I remember all the costumes of the Hellfire Gala were designed by Jumbo. I remember reporting his, his death like a couple years ago. Was it an overdose? Was it a murder? Hate crime? And Cyclops goes like, you know what? There's so much bad news. Why, sh why should we dwell on it? Ben Yurik goes like, there's unanswered questions. And I know he died. How is he back? I yeah, what? Visited, I, I, didn't act I don't actually know. Explain to me. What happened to Jumbo? He just died. Oh, okay. Mysterious circumstances. I don't remember exactly what happened. Okay. But Cyclops is basically running away through the gate, and he goes like, "God damn it! I don't want to fucking do with this. I, I, I am a field leader. I am not the face of the X Men. I am not good at this." And Jean goes, "I, I, I brought the X Men back because I didn't want to have to deal with this kind of shit." Um, and basically, we we see what's happening in the the treehouse with uh, Sink and Forge working together, building all the tech. Uh, Forge is basically kind of like a back, uh, basically like a, uh, a helper in the background. Like he's been as Polaris comes in with her luggage and everything. And Cyclops gives her a tour of everything around. He goes like, oh, here's the command center. Here's our hangar. Here's the new plane. And she goes like, oh, let me guess. It's the Blackbird. And Scott goes, we're trying to decide between Thunderbird and Proudstar. We'd like to honor John's sacrifice. Because apparently he was, he died before the resurrection protocols. That's why he hasn't been able to have been brought back. Legit. Thank you for finally explaining that. Holy God. They didn't say that specifically, but that's what I'm getting. That's mm -hmm. what I'm implying. Uh, that's what I'm thinking it is. And they just go through all the rest of it and uh, all that kind of stuff. And Polaris goes like, hey, can I confess something? If you killed Wanda, don't. Please don't say it. That'd be too messy for us. Um, she basically was like, yo, when I heard we were going to be living in a tree, I almost fucking shifted the poles thinking it was bullshit, but I'm seeing all this stuff. It's kind of dope. And then Gene notices that uh, things coming into uh, an alien things coming into attack uh, New York as Rogue's been patrolling. And she goes like, yep, 
I'm tracking it. I see where it's going. I see it. It's really, really big. It's Kaiju. And uh, Rogue gets hit, and the X-Men deploy. All of them. And Sunfire is, like, team player number one. Because, he, because like, everybody's going, like, all right, cool. Let's get a plan. Let's start it. Let's do this. And Sunfire's just coming in and goes, like, oh, is she okay? And Rogue's going, like, yeah, no, she's okay. I'm, like, fuck yeah, Sunfire being team player. Hell yeah, let's go with this. I can do I know that. nothing about Sunfire, so yay. Sunfire was part of like the uh giant size X-Men team, but he hated it. He was like, fuck this shit, fuck this, I don't like it, fuck you, I'm out. Oh, so he was he was he was there with Thunderbird about that shit. Like you're up to stuff with Professor X. Yeah, and basically that's been his character ever since. But I, I'm kind of digging this, like, no, he... He's part of the team. He's he's recognizing, like, oh, yeah, Krakoa, we're trying to do something. You know what? Yeah, I'm part of the team. I'm part of the team. That's another thing I, I also forgot to say is, like, uh, from the issues of New Mutants I read this week, there's a great gag where they're like, can you believe frickin', uh, um Warpath is teaching Jim in, like, booty shorts? And they go up to him and openly make fun of it, and he's like... I didn't want to wear my costume because I'm getting a new one made because I felt like my old one was kind of racially insensitive to myself. Fair enough. Also, he rocked those booty shorts, bro. Yeah. Uh, and so we get a little bit of like, the, the oh no, they're trying to figure out how to beat the thing and they don't know how because Polaris tries to use metal and goes like, oh shit, it ain't magnetic. I can't do anything. <laughs> and they, they reconvene as uh, the giant monster goes uh, on a psychic attack as Jean protects them all and Polaris makes a giant metal ball to protect them from whatever it is. And they start developing a plan as uh, and they're just trying to work together and goes like uh, and they're trying to figure out a plan and they come up with a thing of like Polaris is going to build a shell. Sink is going to build some tech. Cyclops is going to do stuff. We need some like solar panels for Sunfire to like power this whole thing. And they start building a giant fucking mecha. I had seen that spoil. Yeah. And it's a, it's a, it's a cute design. I like it. How much you want to bet that's because they're gearing up for, they're, they're now like coordinating with the Marvel Legends team. <laughs> they're like, yo, you should build a figure for Reign of X Wave 2. It's very like it's very much something like that, but they 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 work together. They're synced up. They're and they basically uh, beat the thing, and uh, they they're going at it. They're going hard, and eventually they crack its shell. And Wolver and uh, Wolverine X twenty three goes in and starts wrecking the shit, beats it all up. And uh, on the comms, we get a little thing. It's like, hey, this is Captain America. Avengers are thirty seconds out. Hey, X Men's your ever loving blue eyed thing. Uh, few seconds out from the whole uh fantastic force few seconds out and gene goes like hey this is your friends uh we're the x-men and uh we hope to have this whole thing wrapped up we'll love to have you help up on cleanup oof no i mean it's not it's not said it's like oh we're better than you it's just like thank you friends this is the x-men we're on site and we hope to have this one wrapped up by the time you arrive basically like hey as much we we tried to limit as much damage as possible everything should be okay glad to have your help that's kind of the tone I got from. Okay. Uh, and all this kind of stuff. And, like, then we had uh, we have a couple people coming in. Uh, one of them's the X-Men. One of them is the uh, Avengers. One of them's the Fantastic Car. There's one other that I can't tell what it is. And it's basically like, ah, oh, honestly, I'm kind of glad I didn't have to work on this. And the Avengers go, like, a nice job, good job. And the Fantastic Four goes, like, I'd stay uh, for the high fives and whatnot, but I had a brisket in the smoker. And it a euphemism. Welcome back. We missed you guys. Like, it's genuinely like, 
Thank God you're actually acting like the X-Men and not like the weird Krakoa thing. Thank God. Oh my God. <laughs> it's literally, hey, look who finally came down from their room. Yeah, it's that kind of vibe. It's like, glad to have you back, X-Men. As uh, the whole team sits there and is uh, soaking in the glory of like everybody's cheering for them. And it's like, yo, this is actually nice. It's nice to be celebrated. Yo, is that Humberto Ramos on Art I Detect? I think it might be. I'll look back. I'll go back up after I'm done explaining the book. Yeah, that looks like how he draws Laura to me. And they basically go like, all right, cool. Uh, we're going to keep the mech. It's going to be a lighthouse on one of the uh, Krakoa archipelagos. So if we ever need it again, we can use it. Sick. Um, they go back to the headquarters and they're looking at the, the kaiju. They're trying to figure out what is, what's going on. As we jump into space, as to the giant gambling casino, as we realize that whole thing was just a gambling game to try and kill the people of Earth, as that is now the main game in this gambling casino, as basically every oh, the, the host of the whole party, the whole shindig, goes like, all right, we all want Earth for its resources, but fuck humanity. So all the games are going to be done to kill humanity. Also, Mike what, was asking Galaxy me to they ripped Mike, off Power Rangers Ninja Steel? It's very possible. Also, Hooray. Mike Wazowski makes a cameo. Hooray. Yeah. Where is he? Uh, Top panel that I sent you. Oh, okay. He's kind of hidden. I mean, he's Mike Wazowski. Also, the art style just makes it a little difficult. Because I'm not used to seeing Mike Wazowski in that much detail. Jesus Christ. As we get back to the dude from the beginning of the issue, as he's testing uh, modified humans... And looking at the fact that some mutants have died and it's going like, okay, how are they coming back to life? Oh no, the humanity is starting to realize, wait a second, mutants are coming back to life. This is weird. As we end the issue on a ad for basically a space lawyer going like, has a Rocco caused you stress? We're, we're creating a class action lawsuit. Jesus. You may be entitled to compensation. Has the terraforming of Mars caused you any emotional, physical, or psychic distress? That's that's fucking great, honestly. Yep. Uh, and that's X and that's the X-Men stuff as it is right now. So we talked about X-Men. Why don't you why don't you talk about uh the two other books you read this week? Did you not uh read Children of the Atom this week? Or are you not reading no, it? No, I I didn't read it this week. I need to catch up on it. Okay. I, I was literally just pulling up my books and I noticed there was a new issue of Children of the Atom, so I thought I'd ask. Yeah. Uh, do you want uh, my old drug or my new drug first? Let's go through the old and then end with the new. All right. So uh, I read Justice League Infinity number one, which, uh, if you were not aware, is a continuation of Justice League Unlimited written by two of the head writers of that show, uh, J.D. Mateus and James Tucker, uh, with... Ethan, uh, what's his last name? Come on, site, load it up. Ethan Beavers on art, and uh, he does a fantastic job of cap capturing the Bruce Tim art style. Like this, literally looks like a uh, a kitty Justice League comic that would tie into the show that would have come out at the time, which is great. Uh, but it's got the writing quality of the actual show, uh, and the crux of this issue is very much just. Let's do a story with the Martian Manhunter to establish that, yeah, we're not pulling him out of retirement for this book. Um, because it's it's all narration from his perspective, 
as uh, we see his his current life, and we get explained that he's had a lot of different lives, just living amongst the humans. He keeps changing his identity in order to experience different parts of Earth, uh, which I thought was a neat detail. Um, and then we also get narration from him overlaying a short story with the Justice League, reminding us of their status quo uh, as uh, they're all attempting to celebrate the Flash's birthday, but then the party gets crashed by uh, Granny Goodness and uh, Calabac. I forgot his name for a second there. As they're having a competition to see who can kill the most Justice League members to figure out who gets control of Apocalypse now that Darkseid is gone again. Um, and they they eventually repel them all. Um, as we're also juxtaposing that with Amazo is trying to um, break through the source wall. He's trying to see the other side of reality, and him doing that unleashes a, uh, a basically a Doctor Who-style crack in the universe, and some weird energy starts flowing through. And after everybody goes, all right, we uh, we we beat back the uh, Apocalyptans. Uh, let's let's continue celebrating Flash's birthday. Oh shit, we need to clean this up. Flash Flash does it in two seconds. Uh, we see later that night, Superman having dinner with Lois Lane. Uh, and and just kind of talking about their days to each other. And then a bit of that energy that Amazo unleashed leaks onto Superman and he transforms into Overman. Oh no. Yeah, and that's the uh that's the end of issue cliffhanger. Um and, Oh yeah, uh, I'm looking at the name of the artist for this new issue of X-Men. It's Pepe La Raza. Oh, okay. Pepe La Raza. Um but yeah, no, very solid start to this series. I had actually completely forgotten this was happening until Wednesday. I saw the announcement when it was originally announced, and I was like, oh, that sounds fun. I might check that out. Uh, but now that I've actually read this, yeah, I'm going to keep up with this for the time being. This is a uh, this is a much better continuation than any of the other ones we've gotten so far, at least. Um, because, uh, oh God, there was that terrible Harley Quinn movie where she raped Nightwing. And then there was uh, that OK Justice League movie where they tried to introduce Miss Martian into the DCAU and it didn't really work. Okay. I didn't know about that Harley Quinn thing. Yeah. Is that a recent thing? Uh, Batman and Har- Harley Quinn. It's a, uh, it's a recent movie that was made by Tim and Deanie. They okayed that. That might be why, because Bruce Tim turns out to have a weird fetish thing. Bruce Tim and Paul Dini are fucking sex perverts. I mean, I love a lot of the they're stuff they've made. Creeps, right? <laughs> it hasn't been out that they're sex creeps, right? Oh no, 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 no. They're very, they're very nice to every actual person, but they will. They have some weird fucking ships, dude. Yeah. Like, granted, I'll give them. They gave us Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy. That's that's their creation. But also, they tried to force Batgirl and Supergirl on everybody, and then when that didn't work, they tried to force Batgirl and Batman on everyone. Yeah, but getting away from that unpleasantness, uh, I read Masters of the Universe number one, uh, which is the uh, first in a four issue miniseries that is acting as a prequel to the new Masters of the Universe Revelations TV show, because uh, I've never been a Masters guy before. I have tried several times to get into it. Uh, I wanted to collect the classics back when they were new and just never found time or money to dedicate to it. Um, I have tried several times to look into stories I might like. Uh, I did actually try watching 2000X at one point. It just wasn't my jam. 
But Revelation is looking more and more like this might be the point where I finally become a Masters fan. That's nice. Because you're talking uh, about the 2000s reboot when you're talking about 2000X, right? Yeah, 2000X is the thing most Masters fans I've interacted with refer to it as. Okay. Because um, that's a version of Masters of the Universe I grew up with. Yeah. And I, I like the aesthetic of it. It's just those first two episodes didn't really grab me the way I think they were supposed to. Um, but, uh, no, this is fairly solid. It's a story by Kevin Smith and Rob David, but the actual script being by Tim Sheridan with art by Mindy Lee. Uh, and it's a fairly solid story that I feel like is a good sort of acquainting old fans with this version of Masters while also catching new fans up to things. Because the basic story is a weird interdimensional threat uh, comes and attacks King Randor. And he he's out cold and they don't know if he's going to wake up. So they take him to Grayskull to uh, see if the sorceress can heal him. And she's like, oh, this is a thing that... Uh, an old champion of Grayskull dealt with eons ago, so I'm going to send you back in time to deal with it, He-Man. And so He-Man goes back and sees uh, the original King Grayskull uh, going through his origin story and creating the Sword of Power and saving his kid and all that. And um, he comes back and saves King Randor. And we also get some flashbacks with uh, Adam and he and uh, Randor when they were younger. And just, just a lot of good character establishing, if you didn't know uh, these characters I found. And then also uh, a great last page reveal of, yeah, Skeletor was behind it all the whole time. And it's uh, yeah. it's, part, it's part of his master plan that's probably going to come to fruition in the Revelations TV show. Nice. Mm -hmm. I just realized the way Skeletor always starts his laugh is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, man. Yeah, he, like, I'm surprised there hasn't been more Catgirl Skeletor drawings. But, uh, do you know who's voicing him in Revelations? Yeah, Mark Hamill. Yeah, that's really exciting. Yeah, that's nice. It's good. It's good. Solid. So, but, I, but yeah, that's all I have to say on that. It's fine. Yeah. So I'll just give you a quick little thing on Immortal Hulk. So after, uh, last issue, basically, uh, Hulk, uh, was saved by Betty, Ro uh, Betsy Ross, uh, in her Hulk form. And they have a they have a little conversation of and basically Joe's going like, yeah, you don't love me, you love Bruce. And Betsy goes, in sickness and health, you're a part of him. Like, and, and Joe's and Joe's just going on about like, hey, yeah, but I'm not your choice. You love Bruce. I'm just part of the system, and we're all kind of weird and fucked up. Th like, this isn't healthy, and I know you prefer him. That kind of thing, all that kind of stuff. As Betsy's like. Talking about her insecurities with the recent thing of like, yeah, I hadn't. He avoided me for months. Uh, he woke up this gamma thing. Oh shit! Oh shit! Breaking news! Breaking news! Oh what? What? DC just retconned Heroes in Crisis. Wally is no longer responsible. Yes. Uh, in the preview to the Flash Annual Number One out next week. Sweet, nice, cool, good, good, good. And basically, she goes like, yeah, but Bruce didn't want to look at me after I became a Hulk monster, and it was like. Uh, that's why I felt bad about this whole thing. And basically, Betsy's going like, yeah, this whole thing is like, it, it's us. This is our whole shtick. And she's going, and she basically goes, this is me. This is us. This is ours. Don't be you. Don't smash it. And Joe Fix is going like, fuck, I have to explain this. And basically goes, 
Bruce Banner hasn't been hiding from you. He's currently in hell. It's later stuff. I was there for a moment. I ran away. Banner's in hell. And we just have a quick little panel that perfectly shows <laughs> this whole thing in beautiful detail. It's their relationship summed up. <laughs> That's fucking hilarious. Um, as we go out into the living room as the reporter and Jen Walters are having a conversation as Jen is non-hulked form. Mm. She's just regular civvies. And they're and they're having a conversation and she's and the reporter is going like, yo, it's weird seeing you being you and not a Hulk. And she goes, like, yeah, it's good to have a be able to hide away and do that kind of stuff. And they start talking about like, okay, what are you gonna do with the story? You have I'm your lawyer, I I'll be your lawyer, I'll do things like that, all that kind of stuff. And basically go like, yo, yeah, being uh, being related to the Hulk family of books is really bad. It things do not go the way you want. And basically, Jen goes like, yeah, but I can be She-Hulk, and I have power to basically help fix my... Like, I have power to control my world. Honestly, I thought my life was under control, but that was Jen Walters thinking, Hulk knows better. Basically saying like, hey, I know things aren't in my control, that kind of thing. As uh, Jen's texting with Thing and going like, I got the Hulk under control, everything's fine. As Thing is standing with the Avengers of Fantastic Four... And other major heroes going like, should we keep our plane under wraps in case this whole Hulk thing blows? And like, they're thinking about taking down the Hulk. And basically, Betsy's now like talking to Joe, going like, all right, what aren't what isn't being said? And Joe's going like, look, I was in the it was a moment of weakness. I was reacting, and it's done. Me and the kid got out. Banner's still out there. Banner's still in hell. It's it's done. I'm sorry, but there's nothing I can do. You're sorry. And basically. Betsy goes like, you don't know how to be sorry. You want to look sorry, but it's just for camouflage to hide the real you. You just care about you, Joe. And, and basically, like, she goes over her relationship with Joe Fixit. Not Bruce Banner, Joe Fixit, the personality, and goes like, yo, we have good times together, we laugh, but you're selfish. You take. You're the part of Bruce that takes. Like, you you hit an entire life away from me. You were living as Joe Fixit in Vegas what does that say about how you how Bruce Banner thinks about me? Like that you're a part of Bruce. What does that say? And basically she goes like our whole relationships like hide and seek. We we run away from each other and we just look for each other. And basically Joe's going like, "Yeah, no. I'm I'm done hiding. I'm going to confront this. I'm going to be I'm going to grow as a character." And he basically goes like, "There's nothing I want to hide from you." And he goes into why Joe Fixit exists as a personality within Bruce Banner. Because when Bruce was abused as a kid, he'd watch neo-noir detective stories in black and white, and he saw what a, what he thought was a man, what a real man was. So Joe Fixit is his preconceived, is like Bruce Banner's idea of a real man's man. Uh, I talk tough, I crack wise, and if you piss me off, maybe I'll beat you half to death. Maybe I'll hurt you so bad you never recover. Maybe I'll enjoy it, because that's what a grown-up is. And basically Joe's going like, I don't want this to be... And Joe Fixit admits that he loves Betsy. Not that he's part of Bruce and Bruce loves Betsy. Joe Fixit loves Betsy. Interesting. And he goes like, I don't want to say it anymore. I'm sick of not saying it. It was always you, Bets. For me, it was always you. Always and always. And she goes like, what do I do with that? You hid it. You hid it from it. 
a whole life in Vegas. I thought you were dead. I cried. I hurt. You hurt me. Not Bruce. You. And she goes like, yo, you, Joe Fix It hurt me. Bruce was part of it, but you specifically did it. And Bruce, and Joe Fix It goes like, you're a whole damn system. We're messed up. We're dumb and we're angry and we don't know how to fix it. Why Hulk's hurt so much? That's all of us. We all don't know. All this time and we all don't know a damn thing, but I want to learn. I want to be better. I want to be a better me. And basically goes like, and she goes like, do you? Do you actually care about that? And Joe is going like, am I, am, is, is it worth it to call myself a good person? Uh, like how it feels like a good thing. Am I good enough? Can I be good enough? As Betsy just runs away, flies into the ether. And he goes like, all right, guess I'll count to a thousand. Basically saying like, it's the hide and seek thing she was talking about. And goes like, Betsy took off and Joe fix it, then vows to go find Bruce Banner in hell. Like, Joe fix it, coming in clutch. It's great. But this is also like, we're nearing the end because issue 50 is uh, the end of Hulk. Uh, Immortal Hulk. But we also get, I don't know if it's going to be an ongoing or a mini, we're getting a new Defenders. Yay. With uh, Silver Surfer, Betsy Ross, uh, Doctor Strange, and a couple other characters that look pretty cool. But yeah, that's Immortal Hulk this week. Uh, and Spider-Man is a lot easier to explain. They're basically dealing with the aftermath of the last stuff. Uh, and they used an earlier plot device from the series, the Sinister Six does, to basically rip the lizard away from Dr. Kirk Connors and recruit him into the Sinister Six. As we start seeing, uh, basically, all these other organizations start trying to team up and uh, make their teams for brand new, like, teams that we've seen throughout the book for a Sinister War. One, two, three, four, five different teams of Sinister Sixes all going to war with each other. Good Christ. So, on the OG team, we have Dr. Octopus, Sandman, The Lizard, Craven the Hunter Jr. and Electro, as well as Mysterio. He's not in the picture, but he's there. He's part of the team. On Team uh, B-Lister, we have Taskmaster, Black Ant, Jack-O-Lantern, The Foreigner, I can't, uh, I can't remember, uh, Fortune, and Slipper, and the Slippery Dude. I can't remember his actual code name. Great for Black Ant, though. Yeah. Then on the other team, we have Team Boomerang. We have the card dude who's been popping off every once in a while. We have uh, the Speedster guy, Wizard, I think he is. We have the Shocker. We have Boomerang, and we have Hydro Man. Then we have Team Animal Boys. We have Rhino, the Stegosaurus Dino Dude, Scorpion, Tarantula, a Cobra Dude, and uh, Vulture. And then we on Team Lady, we have all the lady heroes that have been in the book, uh, lady villains we've had in the book lately, including White Rabbit, Lady Electro, Lady Doc Ock. <laughs> oh, great. It's Liv. Uh, she's been in the book for a bit, but also basically all the lady baddies. And we're going to have ourselves a Sinister War. Isn't that fun? Sure. Well, I'm kind of hyped for it. It's extremely goofy in a way only Spider-Man can get. I mean, come on. When's the last time you saw this many Spider-Man baddies get actual prominent position in a book? That's fair. It's also like a bunch of bad guys that haven't been relevant since like the late 80s. Whoa. Early 90s. But damn, we've been doing this podcast for about an hour and a half. Uh, two hours and a half now. 
I think once you see this uh, this splash page, I think it's about time we start wrapping up some of our thoughts. <laughs> so, any final things you want to talk about? Well, to summarize, uh, Black Widow was better than expected, but not great. Um, Loki was pretty good. Uh, Toy News was whatever. Uh, X-Men the fucking best. Um, cool to see the DCAU come back to life in a non-embarrassing way. And, uh, shit, fuck, I'm probably gonna spend a stupid amount of money on those new Masters of the Universe toys when the cartoon finally drops. Heckle, heckle. So, in the meantime, why don't you get, tell the people where they can find Buster? Hey, everybody, if you want to find BusterCore on the internet, you can find them at the BusterCore YouTube channel and also the uh, the Victory Buster or the Veil Busters YouTube channel is what it is called. Uh, that is their video essay analysis channel and also their story channel where they're telling sort of an animated tokusatsu story, and it's pretty neat. Uh, you can also find them on Twitter at BlueyBuster and... Uh, yeah, definitely do that. Um, and then do you want me to just roll right into my plugs? Yes. All right. Hey, everybody. I'm the Vacuuminator. I'm a toy reviewer on the tubes of you. I recently uh, reviewed something that's actually pretty relevant to this podcast, the Marvel Legends 80 Years Hulk and First Appearance Wolverine 2-Pack. I really liked those figures. So if you want to hear more about that, go check out that video review at youtube.com slash thevacuuminator, which is spelled T-H-E-V-A-C-U-U-M-I-N-A-T-O-R. I'm also on Twitter at thevacuuminator and on Instagram at the underscore vacuuminator, where I post action figure photography each and every day. Bells to the bells. Hey, howdy, howdy. I'm Chris Blinger, writer and I make video essays and editorials and other content in the pipeline can't say what it is yet but it's there i've told this man about it several times is cool uh if you want to follow me on youtube you can search boingo writer i'll be there if you want to follow me on twitter and instagram you can follow me at boingo underscore writer and that kind of stuff but in the meantime this has been module media's no price podcast and if you're listening to this on youtube hey give it a like give it a comment and subscribe to the channel to get this podcast and more, including, but not limited to, Module Media Wrestling Podcast, where me and Vac here talk about professional wrestling that we liked in the week. This last episode, I geeked out really fucking hard. Who did, bud? Malachi Black. Fucking banger. We also have modular components where we talk about just our daily go, our weekly goings on and just things we want to bring up in conversation. And we also have the last podcast on our channel. How? Why don't you tell them about it? This week in Toku, where myself and Miriam of BusterCore discuss all the latest news and episodes from the world of Japanese live-action special effects. And we've got a pretty big episode coming up this week because we've got the debut of Super Zenkaiser in this week's episode of Kikai Sentai Zenkaiser. And we've got the first episodes of Ultraman Trigger and Kyushu Sentai Waku Saber to discuss. Bells to the bells. And if you're listening to this on a podcasting platform of your choice, hey, make sure to give us a follow on your podcasting platform of choice. I said that already. And tell your friends about the podcast if you think they will like it. It's the best way to help us out. In the meantime, I think this has been comics for the week. I think so. <sighs> Jesus uh, one final Christ. thing before we go. Uh, Michael Walden, one of the uh, head people on Loki, was the first person to have an alligator Loki birthday game. Nice. Thank God. <laughs> 
thank God Loki's ending just because goddamn we have we have exhausted our brains for a bit on this episode with just how much we had to talk about. Next week's gonna be a fun episode, but uh we also have some big plans uh coming after that that y'all wanna, will want to stick around for. Very, very much so. But in the meantime, anything else you want to say? Yes. Is that it? Um you never said who you thought I simped for in Black Widow. You teased me with that before we started recording, motherfucker. Short, blonde, funny girl. Who do you think? Yeah, no, it never hit, honestly, with uh, with Yelena. All right. I mean, she's I'll... cool. She's cool, but it was never like, uh, I never, <laughs> I never full on went there. Um, no, I was too focused on thinking about how uh, after, after a long day of teaching the kids, I hope Magic would want to come home and want a foot rub from me. There you go. Now I've made it awkward. You're welcome. God damn it. Enough said. <laughs>